All right, everybody, we are live, and welcome back to Bearded Drums Live here on a Thursday. Jarrett and I were kind of <laughs> coming in hot today. Yeah, coming in real, <laughs> real close. I think we're actually two minutes late uh, coming into the live stream. Let me check the live stream and make sure. Yep, there we are. We're up live, so everybody should be seeing us. Um. <laughs> Jarrett and I met up with Phil this afternoon to have some pizza, Brooklyn's pizza, the finest pizza you can get, at least in the Mississippi area. Yeah. Um, but we hung out and doing what drummers do and talking about drums and uh, rolled in super late and I didn't even get everything I wanted to load up, loaded up. I got the video loaded up. I did not get your pictures loaded up. Oh, that's fine. Cause they look bad anyway. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll show them next week, but you can still talk about it this week. Yeah. So anyway, welcome everybody. We are here for this week's live stream. Uh, we did make it. Yep. Um, the pizza was delicious. It was always. worth it. Yeah, it was worth it. I'm sorry for our three minute tardiness uh i guess i get a tardy now it's uh, fine it's your show it's like it's your show <laughs> it's our show but uh i guess i could put myself down for a tardy now um but like i said totally worth it brooklyn's pizza is always worth it and hanging out with another drummer our good buddy phil lonfont obviously always worth it because then we're just you know hanging outside talking about drums talking about dw and ringo star and yeah. all of the <laughs> All of the things. Um, so, as always, uh, starting out the week, um, if this is your first time tuning in, please keep in mind that this is live, obviously, here on YouTube. But after the fact, you can catch the audio-only version of the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, just simply search Bearded Drums, and you'll find us there. I usually get the episode uploaded the next day, if not, you know, later on in the evening after we're finished with the live stream. But even if you're not watching live, the live stream does get put up um, probably within about 10 minutes. I think it's up as a regular video here on YouTube. So you can check us out audio version only or if you're watching here on live uh, live on YouTube or after the fact, um, as always, we're glad that uh, you tuned in to hang out with us. Oh, yeah. Um even though we're <laughs> kind of running a little late today. <laughs> um, but we made it, and we're definitely full, and we are... I know I'm good and comfortable in the chair now, so I'll have no problem sitting here for <laughs> a couple of hours oh, yeah. and, you know, just hanging out. Um, so to go ahead and get us started for the week, um, like we always do, uh, we're going to go ahead and, I guess, do our what we're working on currently. So, Jarrett... I will let you, even though I didn't have time, I'm sorry, to get your pictures loaded up, we will show them next week, um, but you can tell them what you are doing. Yeah, so currently I am working on these shells I bought on Reverb <clears throat> from a company called Infinity Drumworks. Uh, I believe they're from Minnesota, I believe. Could be wrong. I have to double check their Reverb uh, site, but... They make their own drum shells, and I got a set of maple, mahogany maple, uh, 7 by 12, 12 by 14, and then 14 by 18. And I want to say I paid like 200 or so for them. 
and they're raw. They make their own shells themselves. They don't like buy Keller shells or anything. They do. The guy does his own plies and everything. So I sanded that down and I got some um, general finishes uh, gel stain to put on it. I went on the drum building subreddit and asked around what guys use and what's easy to use. Uh, looking for like a more satin kind of natural uh, finish for it. And a guy recommended that stuff. It's been working really well. It's really easy to put on because it's real thick, like water-based, but it's real thin. Like it's, It goes on like pudding, and then you put like a real like thick coat around, and then you just go back through and just like wipe it away. I probably wipe more than I should just because I'm kind of scared of Well, but of you, it. Can always, <clears throat> you can always go back and do another coat. Yeah. Because that's uh, at least from what I know about staining. Um, you know, when you wipe it on, the longer you leave it on and the less you wipe away, the darker the color. Not so much the stain, like intensity, but the darker the color. So you can always go back, sand it again. Um, I think we've all learned it. The more you find sand, something yeah. that you're staining, uh, you'll get a better product out in the end. Um, and the, the cool thing with them is that they have a bunch of uh, like videos on their YouTube channel of just general finishes and have a couple like Facebook lives that they put on their uh, actual YouTube channel. And they show you everything. It's like um, on what all their products are, how you use them, the correct way to apply them on. And I've watched the gel one a lot because the way it was explained is like the water base. Like you don't you use water base, right? Well, it's oil based. Oil just based. regular, just regular Minwax. Um, so like how yours sits on top, I believe, because mine is gel. It only penetrates so deep. Okay. I think compared to other stuff, so it sits on top more. So if you do have to send it all back down, it's not like super penetrating. Well, yeah, like yeah, other yeah. guys, you like water based, like water's gonna, oh yeah, it's just gonna soak. You get all the all like the little bumps and stuff. Yeah. Where with the gel, it you barely have any raised at all. Like, um, I had to go through and send it down because I had a couple of blemishes. I didn't get out during my first sanding pass, and I got most of them taken up because I tried the whole like slip coat mineral spirits thing, so it goes on easier. So you don't have any like lap marks. Um, so the second coat was like real thin going on. I'm going to do one more and I'm not going to sand this time. I'm just going to see how, how it goes. Yeah. And go from there. Um, they got their own like old base top coat too. So it's all I've been really doing this week is, uh, getting that. Cause I'm going to stay hard part. Yeah. Cause I'm going to stay in the insides too. Cause I was lazy. I only masked the bass drum. I didn't do the toms. Like, Oh, they're smaller. It won't be as bad. No. Um, I have fingerprint marks all inside from my gloves and everything. So I'm going to go through and sand those down and then, Finish the inside so the outside will be darker. The inside will be a light color. Kind of kind of like those Ajax I have um, that Hugh gave yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, Because the insides of those. It's almost like a mahogany on the inside. Yeah, so it's kind of red. Uh, yeah. Like a more of a red tint to it. So the inside of those drums are stainless. I look, think it looks cool if you got clear heads on the bottom. So Yeah, I saw your fingerprints. and uh, I mean, it's like you said, yeah. It's like you don't think like, oh, it's not going to be. And then it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luckily, I was I had the forethought when watching the video I was watching for staining. I was like, yeah, take the extra 10 minutes and tape up the inside with brown paper and use the blue masking tape and get it all. So there's no, you know, no mistakes to be made. But I saw the color. His colors look really good. I think it's going to turn out really well. Um, like I said, I just didn't have the time. Um, and because it's a stupid iPhone photo, it won't just drop into the switcher here. I've got to convert it to a JPEG. So next week, when we're probably still going to be talking about that as far as his project, um, I'll make sure to have the photos. And now you can take some more photos. Yeah. Because they were both, I think, far away. So now you can get some nice up-close shots. And uh, 
and kind of show us what it's really looking like. Um, is that all you're that's it that's on? been the, I mean I know it takes a lot of time so that's not yeah, all you're doing but that's you know. all I've gotten done so far um because I got just the pint think it'll be enough yeah because <laughs> um, I have pints of the other stuff I've gotten it's been more than enough but because you have to use so much I wasn't expecting how much I'd have to use um for those those three shells out of that pint I maybe have like a quarter of a pint left yeah I can yeah. see like a pint being just enough to do a uh, snare or eye drum, but yeah, if you're going to do the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, it's probably going to take significantly more. So I bought a quart and it comes in today. Yeah. Uh, and so whatever I buy my hoops, I don't know if I'm going to get raw hoops and have the, the hoop stain and have the hoops match the rest of the kit and then do like the white mother pearl inlay. I thought about doing, or, um, or I thought about just doing like the, Nat, like the natural maple hoops and then getting natural maple hoops for the toms to match Ooh, so it all good. so it all is like that that two-tone across yeah, the whole I like board. the two-tone kind of contrasty look um I always kind of like that on drums I have the one little Ludwig where it's all the same color but I have to admit that the wood hoops on that little 30s piece would probably look cooler if it was a darker shade than the amber looking shell but it's all the one color so I like the contrasty looked um, so I think that's what I, if you had my vote, that's what I'd tell you to do is, uh, either just polyurethane, the hoops, um, or if you want to do satin, but either way, I would say go for the contrasty look. That's just what I like. Because the top coat's going to be it's satin semi-gloss. Yeah. So it's all kind of try to be kind of flat across and like the only pop would be that mother of pearl inlay if I decide to do that. But it's your kit. I mean, you know, it's your baby so for your custom build. So you got to do what you want to do. Well, I want everyone else's opinion, too, that's out there. Go ahead and... Yeah, and, and let us know off. in the chat. Should his wood hoops on his kit match the finish, or should he have that contrasty look with, like, a polyurethane or satin natural hoop kind of going against the grain? Let us know in the comments. Yeah. Um, do we have anybody checking in? Spencer says, what's up? And he says, I'm having Brooklyn Brothers pizza tonight. I don't know if it's going to be as good as ours, Spencer. I don't know if it's Brooklyn Brothers is as good as Brooklyn's, but... The name's close, so I'm hoping that you have as joyous of a pizza time as we did. I love Derek. Always is like, well, I mean, we go to we go to Brooklyn's all the time. You you know you uh, you want to go? I'm like, you can never invite me too much to Brooklyn's. Yeah, it's so good, and they have so much stuff besides just pizza. And I know we're in Mississippi, and I know what you're probably thinking, but the guy is an ex cop from New York that opened the pizza place. So I don't, I can't think of more New Yorky than that. An ex cop from New York that it's like a sitcom. And he gets mad if you take too long too at the menu. Yeah, what do you want? Let's go. I got, I got to go here. So it's yeah. like a sitcom of a New York cop that retires and moves to the country of Mississippi to <laughs> to retire <laughs> to and, and open the, a pizza place. And the best part about it is that we'll take a picture and I guess show it one day. But he has a mural of him and the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, it's him and his wife. It's all painted on a motorcycle under the Brooklyn Bridge, like it was like a shot out of NYPD Blue or something. Yeah, it's he's got a, le a le black leather jacket on. His wife's behind him, holding him by around the waist, and they're just chilling under the Brooklyn Bridge. And it's this huge mural across this Mississippi pizza joint. It's massive. <laughs> it's, it's 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 definitely a tribute to himself. Oh yes, and you definitely know and if you ever don't know who the owner is, you walk inside and you see him on that and then you see him behind the counter. It's 
That's the guy. And it is the definitely the Brooklyn, New York attitude. Like, get in, tell us what you want, and get out of the line. Yep. Like, don't be screwing around. Do not be staring at the menu. You need to be ordering, and they have that. The, the pizza tastes like it's from New, York, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, New York, and the attitude is yeah. definitely from New York. So we we love going there, um, and I can feel it. I'm definitely I'm definitely <laughs> in the right mood to be sitting in this chair uh, for a little while. Hopefully, I won't just switch cameras over to you and fall asleep over here. I hope not. <laughs> so that is Jared's current Jared's current project. He is staining his custom drum kit. Myself. Last week, we talked um, at length about the snare drum that I was building, and I didn't realize it had only been a week. We unboxed all that stuff from Drum Factory Direct. Um, I thought... I, I it, You're going through it right now with staining and doing all this stuff. It feels like I've been doing it for three weeks. Yeah. And I just realized to the day it has only been a week. Like, that night that you left... I want to say I started that night, so Thursday night, really late. I think I started maybe just prepping the room for all the staining and the polyurethane, all that, all that stuff. Um, oh, that's what I did. I stained that night, and I spent maybe like Friday staining still, like more coats. And then once I got into Saturday, I started getting the polyurethane out. And I've been doing polyurethanes from Saturday up until uh, what's today Thursday up until say, late Tuesday night like soup like four o'clock in the morning Tuesday or Wednesday morning yeah. um, and I let everything got to kind of cure from say four o'clock in the morning Wednesday um, till you know this, this afternoon when you got here so we talked about that I'm building my own custom single tension snare um, if you know anything about me in the videos that I the regular videos I produce on the show I am a fiend for like 1920s and 1930s single tension snare drums. The older, the better, the funkier, the better, um, that Levon Helm kind of sound. And Jared even kind of mentioned it when I had started talking about building my own snare. He's like, well, if you build your own snare, you won't have to retrofit anything. Yeah. I always seem to have to put a butt plate on these 1930 snares because they always have the cord style snare, which is the piece of leather holding it in. So he said, at least you won't have to retrofit anything. And I'm like, you're right. It'll have a proper butt plate and strainer. It'll have proper tension rods, like modern stuff that can handle the stress of being played. So that's been my gig for the past two weeks getting everything in and then the past week really getting everything done. Um, so I think I showed pictures last week of just the raw shells that had been stained. Um, so this whole week has been with the raw hoops that I stained over the weekend and then did the polyurethane coating on, um, probably Sunday and Monday. No, it had been like Saturday and Sunday. And then I started, coating uh with polyurethane on the shell monday and tuesday um it came out really well um i'm actually i can't do it right now um but in the post version of this episode or this video when it gets released as a regular video 
on YouTube. I will include the link of the guy's video that I watched. Jarrett's seen the same video. And I think all I did, if you ever want to know how to like do polyurethane coating on a drum that you're finishing, I think all I searched was um, polyurethane coat on a drum, or I might have typed in how to finish a drum. And it's like a guy from New York in his living room doing a natural colored 15-inch floor tom. And the video was very instructive. He took you step by step. He told you what kind of polyurethane he was using, uh, how he was doing the sandpaper, how he was doing the steel wool, how he was doing the little foam brush and the rollers to apply it. He didn't use regular uh, paintbrush. Um, a really good video, and that is what I went by. That's the only video I went by for doing my drum. And I'm really... Jarrett saw it. I'm really pleased with how it came out. Obviously, it didn't come out perfect because I've never done this before. Yeah. But, I mean, if you were to rate my poly job 1 to 10, be honest, how would you rate it? I would rate it a 7. And that's a, probably about yeah. what I would give my... Like, you can see, if you get up close on it under some real strong light, you can see some, like, stroke marks. But I think, in general, it came out really well. And I think the only reason you can see a lot of those inconsistencies is because the shell's real dark. Yeah. So you see the imperfections, the hoops. You can't tell because they're they're like natural maple colored, so you can't really see anything. But generally, the whole thing came out really well. I now have myself. Um, actually, let's throw the vid up there. So this is, this was about two hours ago. This is the final product. Um, only thing Jarrett and I didn't get to do because we were going to eat pizza with Phil was we didn't get to put the snare wires on it. So. When we get done tonight, that's the first thing is Jared yeah. and I are going to go back into the drum workshop and put the snare wires on and then throw it on this kit right here and play around with it. But this is the final product. This is the poly coat on the stained shell. This is the poly coat on the stained hoops. This is hardware installed and very proud and thankful to the local sign shop for making me up my own little personal badge. I wanted to put a I did. I've seen a lot of uh, custom built drums. That they all look beautiful, but some of them look like they're lacking because guys don't have the option or the resources to put a badge on their drum. And I was lucky enough to be able to kind of create some mock something up in Keynote and take it to the local shop that's like two minutes from my house. And they were, it was like 26 bucks to get them to make it. And so here's the drum with all the coating done, finished, all the hardware is on except for the snare wires and the brand new drum badge. I'm really, really happy with it. Um, it looks like I would expect it to look. I know Jarrett can't. can't. Oh, I got it. I can see it right here. Um, it looks like a vintage drum, obviously, because it's single tension. Um, it's got some modern hardware on it, though, because now you've got, like, proper tension rods with, like, mini claws, and you have a uh, modern butt plate and strainer. So I'm really happy with the way it came out. And I have to give a super big shout out to Brian from Drum Factory Direct. Um, not only to thank Drum Factory Direct for putting out good stuff, because the mini claws that you see that are on the hoops, the tension rods you see, that piccolo um, strainer, and that butt plate, and the hoops came from Drum Factory Direct. They did a knockout job of getting it to me. What are they in, like, New York or I, Pennsylvania or something like that? I believe that? so. I know it's uh, northeast for Yeah, sure. like, not close to here. No. And they got it to me in, like, three days. Um, and then if you can see in the video, 
because it's single tension, you know, the, 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 the uh, tension rod goes through the hook, the claw hooks down to the bottom, and those little square nuts down at the bottom on the bottom claw hook are what kind of hold it in place. And I was having such a hard time finding these square nuts. And I looked and looked and looked, and I, I was really kind of nervous about what one to buy because um, tension rods are what, 12, 24? Yep. And then, but I would go to these sites and it would be like, coarse thread versus fine thread. And I was just kind of getting overwhelmed. So I called, I didn't even email. I called drum factory direct. Brian is the guy that handles a lot of their emails, but also is the the guy that was on the phone that day. And he was kind of in the same spot as I was, even though he thought any regular 1224 should work. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned the coarse versus fine thread. And just to be certain, and I thought this was the coolest part, Brian called the owner of Drum Factory Direct. And it's like, well, he knows, you know, he's the, the guru. Let me ask him and I'll find out for you. And of course, I'm thinking like most people like, oh, yeah, well, now you got to call the owner. It's going to be a couple of days before I get an answer. The dude called me back. I, sh- I swear within like 12 minutes, <laughs> he called me back. He's like, yeah, I, I talked to I forget. He might have said Chris or something, but he said he talked to the owner. And he said, yeah, just order yourself a standard 1224 square nut. And that he's like 95% sure that'll work. So I got on Amazon and I ordered myself just a bag of like 30 1224 square nuts. They fit perfectly. So shout out number one to Drum Factory Direct for getting everything out super quickly. Everything was really good quality. Um, Big shout out to Brian for kind of easing my tension with finding these square yeah. nuts and calling the owner. Um, so thank you personally from me, Brian, as you can see from the video, the drum came out looking pretty slick. I'll be sending you, Brian, some photos in a video. If you want to use it on your socials for drum factory wreck and everybody. And I know Jarrett has used them before as well. If you ever need parts or if you're going to do a build yeah. or, you know, anything like that, they have, Tension rods, they have claws, they have raw shells, they have, I mean, anything you can think of for building, repairing, updating a drum, they have just about everything you need. So Drum Factory Direct, I think it's just drumfactoryrec.com. I think so. Um, Highly recommend these guys. And if you have questions, just call them up. More than likely, it'll probably be Brian that either answers the phone or answers your email. Mm -hmm. And they are really helpful because I thought... You know, I'm some doofus calling in asking about building a single tension snare. You know, who builds a single tension snare anymore? And he's like, actually, I get not a ton, but I do get calls about that. He was knowledgeable enough to help me out. And like I said, you know, you can see from the video, I think it turned out really well. There is my awesome looking badge that OK signs or all signs from here in Gulfport made for me. So just a little bit to like a little cherry on the top of the drum. Oh yeah. Just to let you know, I was, I'm completely happy with the way the drum came out looking. And as I said, the very first thing, I don't care if Jared, if you have to go home, that's fine. The first thing I'm doing when this stream ends is grabbing that drum and putting those pure sound snare wires on there. Yeah. I have nothing to do. Um, <laughs> well, I might have to, I just depends on, cause a friend of mine's in town. He lives in Huntsville now. I don't care. That's my first yeah. job tonight is to, snare that thing up and get it, you know, and really start playing with it. And then expect, you know, in the next couple of weeks to, uh, we'll see, it'll be 
Next week will be that video for that drum right there, even though I can't tell them. And then we'll have a week where it's just a live stream. So three, the third week from now, you'll see a complete build video on how I did that. Taking it from the shell, uh, doing all of the ordering, doing all of the poly, final assembly, and then all the sound tests, uh, me playing with a track, and then me doing like just raw sound samples. So be looking for that coming up soon besides the other videos that we've got coming up here on the channel. So that's... I finally got my shop cleaned like from the mess and it doesn't smell like polyurethane anymore. And I can now go back in there and sit down and it's nice and clean. And I'm, I'm happy to be, it, it was not unpleasant at all to do any of that work, even though it takes a lot of time. I think you'll agree staining and, and doing polyurethane finishes. It's just, it's a patience game. You just have to, you know, go slow, do a little bit of a time, sand it back down, put another coat, um, it's a patience game, but I am glad that it's over. Yeah, because you'll put in like 30 minutes of the work. You'll have to wait. Yeah. Like 12 hours. You're just in there watching. It's like, you know, why can't it just be, you know, as quick as it is putting it on? It's like, you just got to wait. And the stuff I'm using, it's like very weird for the climate we have because it's like the ideal times is like 12 hours at 70% humidity. And, and it has been, been so rainy. It's been so rainy. So I'm having to just wait even longer uh, for everything to get done. Th thankfully, today has been sunny i bet but i bet you just because we're in mississippi i bet you if i were to look it up i bet you the humidity is still high i bet it's even though it was nice and dry today it's probably 80 right now still um i wouldn't doubt if it's it. the humidity is 57 percent. oh well, i was way off so but still i mean uh so yeah even though we've had high humidity and a bunch of rain lately my finishes came out nice so very happy with it very excited and we'll get to you know We'll get to mess with that later tonight. And then you'll see the video in about three weeks. So that I'll is, get to play it Sunday. That's right. You will get to play it Sunday and we'll get to break that sucker in. Um, so that is our, that is our projects for the week. Um, is anybody else checking in on the comments? Um, uh, Dave Drake. I believe it's our Dave. Drake. Oh, that's the wizard. Dave yep. Drake is checking in. Good to see you, Dave. So the wizard, the wizard says outstanding, absolutely gorgeous. Levon would be proud. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I, I really do hope that Levon will be proud. I hope it, it conveys that Levon esque feeling. Um, but that's the thing is it looks great. It fits great. But we haven't hit it yet, so, so we have no idea <laughs> how it's going to sound. I'm sure it will sound great. The shell, and I'll mention this in the video when we do the full build, the shell is a maple pearl shell that was cut up into several pieces to make several different snares. So it's a, it's a maple shell. I wouldn't yeah. see why it would sound bad. And Hugh put a 45 straight on the top, and it already had the bottom cut because it was the bottom of the shell. Um, but Hugh put a 45 in, and because I was going for that Levon Helm sound or a very vintage sound, I went back over his straight 45 or his, you know, his angled 45 and rounded the whole thing over. So we haven't hit it yet. Fingers crossed that it's actually going to sound good. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure it's not going to be. And then uh, Brian Ganch or Gonch says, looks great. Can't wait to hear how it sounds. I'm, that just may be Brian from drum factory direct and if that is brian let us know in the comments if that is you brian thank you so much personally from me and Jarrett, who has bought stuff from drum factory direct and if it's not the brian from drum factory direct thank you for just being here in general he said bingo that's right thank you sir i do i told you we would get it knocked out early on in the show so you wouldn't have to hear our 
uh, long-winded two-hour podcast. But if you do stick around, please, please do. We would love to have you hang with us and hit us up in the comments. Oh, yeah. Um, so that is our projects for the week. Drum news. I have a couple of things. Jarrett, do you have anything new product-wise or anything like a video you saw or something like that uh, that you want to talk about? I don't recall anything on the top of my head. I'll have to start writing it down some more. Um, you will. Because I've been watching a bunch of stuff from like years ago uh, this past week. Cause it's That's all, okay. Yeah, because I've been I'm getting a new ride. I'm selling some stuff. We'll I, talk about that. Yeah. So, um, because you can mention that that the very ride. That's that's new enough. Yeah. So I've finally kind of figured out what I like, and it'll kind of tie into today's topic as well. Um, but I've kind of finally figured out, you know, the sound I'm going for, and I'm in the midst of trying to sell a, I think it's an 06 or a little bit later. DW kit, it's a great kit. I just don't like the way it sounds or the while I sat the way I sound on it because it's just I normally play. Steven knows I play smaller size drums. I like smaller things. Tiny tubs. Yeah, I mean 12, 14, 20 is all I really like to play. Um, because I like to tune my drums like medium, medium high because I play a lot of like when I play Bob my I do the Max Roach approach on. Tuning for jazz. I like that. That rhymes. The Max Roach, Roach approach. approach. Yeah. So the Max Roach approach is you crank it as high as it goes. You wait, and then you do it one more time for the, both the top and bottom. And that's how you you go tight as it'll go, and then one more tighter. Exactly. And so that's how I tune all my stuff for like bop and jazz, and then for like rock stuff. I've tried playing like above the finger tension. It just feels like you're hitting on pudding when you play. And I don't like that feeling. So I tune like medium, medium high to where it still sings and cuts through. But I'm not sitting there having to like thwack away and like pull my <laughs> stick out of the mud and hit it again. Um, and I play more like handsy type fills and stuff. And it gets kind of hard to have to like pull those doubles out. True. And it that's one. It's a lazy thing on my end. I mean, because I'm having to work harder for the sound but i also not a big fan of playing low thuddy drums unless something extremely calls for it like everything be kind of tuned up a little bit so i'm gonna that that dw kit i got that ludwig standard that you and hugh helped me do a year ago or a year and a half Probably more than that yeah i think it is more than that yeah because I, I played a whole year of gigs on it. yeah it's like yeah. two years ago i'm getting rid of that because it's 13 16 22 sizes i don't generally play that's a great kit though um, and then a kid I said I'd never get rid of. Um, <laughs> gonna get rid of it because I don't play it a whole lot, and I believe it should go to someone. Who yeah, would, who would play? Somebody's it and gonna enjoy play it. it. Yeah, because the the kit's real cool. Um, our good friend uh, Pat McGinley, he kind of saved that kit. It was oh, the her, Yamaha. Yeah, the Yamaha, because it was found after Hurricane Katrina. The Yamaha recording or uh, no. Yamaha Absolute Maple. Yeah, Absolute Maple Custom. And a beautiful like. Dark, not royal blue, but dark blue stain. Yeah, it's pretty. It's and a really the grain still shows through. And the cool thing is that it it went through all like the hurricane. Yeah, and, Hurricane and, Katrina and Hurricane Katrina and all these uh, hard road cases. So the water and mud got kind of in there and stuck to it. But it changed the shells to where they don't sound like they're supposed to. Like maple, they're like, they're really hard. No, you're right. I had um, I I believe in kits that went through Katrina. All the petrochemicals that were in the water, but like, I mean, if you don't know, I mean, I know the guys that watch us that are from here, but like people that aren't from here, 
the water was really contaminated, all the flood water that came in in Katrina. Lots of oil, petrochemicals, and stuff like that. I had a Mapex kit that went through um, the Katrina, and I swear, I'm not lying, the bass drum, after it dried, with all of the dirt and sediment that was in that water, when that bass drum dried, it was a third lower in pitch than it started out. And you're saying the same thing, basically the tone of that drum changed. So I know a lot of people, Ray Hanser included, that had kits that went through Katrina that will swear, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, their drums sound completely different yeah. once they got dried out after all that. Um, that's a very that's a very cool kit. Because yeah, it's 10, 14, 20, and I think two or three years ago, might have been two, I took the whole thing apart. I cleaned the shells really well. I greased up every lug. I cleaned the inside and outside of all the lugs. I mean, I brassoed everything. It's it's clean and it looks really good because I got that uh, gogger percussion. It was a hanging floor tom. Yeah. And I wanted to put legs on because I got tired of carrying the mount around. And I put that on and it sounds good and it looks good. But I just don't. I don't play 10 inch toms anymore. I used to play 10 inch religiously. I love 10 inch. And then I just stopped playing 10. I now I'm 12, 14. That's okay. That's um, standard. So, um, But you're selling all this for the reason? Selling this all for the reason for to get a 22 inch high definition ride and hopefully. By who? Zildjian. There you got to tell the people, Jared. 22 inch high definition ride from Zildjian. And hopefully, if. Everything goes right. Um, one of our very own, uh, who was here last Thursday, who hopefully is in the chat currently, his name is Mike Malone, has a very cool YouTube channel. He mentioned this super sweet uh, stop sign badge, Gretsch kit, and like pearl satin flame, I think is the finish, and it's 12, 12, 16, 20. Now I get it to 16, even though I said only playing 14s. Mm-hmm. I would tune it up, but it's still. It, the the kick drum is the most important size to me. The 20. It's cool looking. It looks cool, and it's plays great. It's cool because it's two twelves. And I'll make sure to have, I'll get not only pictures of your standing job for next week, but uh, next week I'll also get that picture of that kit he sent you, so we can show that off. It looks so pretty. So you're trying to get the Gretz kit and a high definition ride. Yeah, that's your drum news. That's my drum <laughs> news. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, oh, one more thing. Currently, Swindle is making my custom kit right now. Let's see if I can. There we go. That's Swindle Drums from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yeah, he made me a snare drum uh, not too long ago. Uh, five and a half by 14 Alder stave kit, uh, stave snare drum. He makes really good drums. And I'd say they're competitively priced compared to the other guys who do custom drums that you see online. But he works really well with you, like getting your hardware figured out. If you have a budget, he can work with you. I know that I got to do like monthly installments on my snare drum. That's so, cool. Yeah, that's so cool. So after uh, he finished the drum, he held on to it till my last payment went through. Then once it cleared, he was like, all right, cool. And then he just brought it down to me. I didn't get it shipped. He just he brought it to me in hand, was like, all right. That's, yeah. And he's that's, like, that's... he goes, I haven't touched it. He goes, so we're going to play it together. I was like, sweet. That's cool. And I've noticed yeah. a lot of the drum companies are doing that now. Um, who was I looking at the other day that does... Uh, is it, I think it's, is it sugar percussion? Yeah, that does the the twelve and twelve or whatever it is like, th- because it takes twelve weeks or whatever for them the lead time. They'll give you twelve equal payments or like you put the down to the down, and then you do your twelve payments. So I think a lot of the especially the boutique companies are getting into 
you know, a lot of us don't have 1600 to yeah. smack down at that moment. And it's nice to be able to kind of break it up, you know, monthly so you can realistically get, you know, the kid of your dreams yeah. in a, you know, in a timely fashion and not have it cost an arm and a Cause leg. I would love either a noble and coolie single ply solid ply or a sugar percussion solid ply, but I don't have 12 to 1600 to throw down at once at yeah. once. So I, I think it might be worth it. I don't know if noble and coolie does anything like that, but if sugar does it, yeah. Wouldn't hurt to ask, you know, yeah. I, I would be open to doing a, a sugar percussion. I want, I, I've had a couple that I've gotten from Hugh over the years and I miss having a solid ply snare. There is, if you've never gotten to play a solid ply snare, it is nothing like, I mean, there's nothing compares. I got three, and I love them. They, They're so nice. Sorry, I didn't mean to rub it in. Well, no, it's okay. I mean, uh, but people could say, oh, well, you know, I've got, it doesn't matter. Four ply, six ply, eight ply, even the, the crazy pearl uh, 20 ply snares. Yeah. They just don't compare to a really high quality piece of single ply of, of wood. Um, so if you ever get a chance when you're on eBay, if you see something or somebody wants to trade you for a solid ply, my opinion is to be grab it. If Do you it. don't necessarily like it in the long run, you can always sell it. But to get your hands on a solid ply is something pretty special. And those sugar percussions, uh, I think you had brought it up to me and I gave it a look and I was kind of like, I was, I was okay with it. Um, I think I just didn't see the right one. And then I went to their website one day and started looking at specific and looking at the solid ply stuff. And now I really think either a noble and coolie or a, a sugar percussion for a solid ply is. Are you does solid ply now? Yeah. I, I don't know. He did self. I thought I was just, just the stave still. Mm -mm. You talking about sugar? Yeah. No, I want to say when I went to the, uh, I'll have to double check, but I went and it was, um, it said solid maple and solid something else. Oh, sweet. Um, I could be wrong. I'll have to double check while we're talking. But anyway, um, so I told Jarrett that what we need, I would like to start doing is uh, every week kind of just bringing up a um, a clip that we saw during the week or a drummer doing something that was cool um, to talk about. And Jarrett, just being busy as he always is, didn't have anything to talk about today. But I do. Um, I, I sent you that track and you said it sounded like music that they play in Dillard's, yeah. which I thought was hilarious because that just shows <laughs> how much older I am than you are. And, um, even if you don't like the band that I'm going to talk about, kind of like when we were talking about Dave Matthews, if you don't like Dave Matthews, everybody loves Carter Beaufort. Yeah. The same thing can be said for what I'm about to talk about. Yes. Yeah, snares, solid wood, right? I guess it'd be that it, would yeah. be solid ply. I would assume. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, from what I understand, from looking at the website, Sugar Percussion offers what I would. It says solid wood, so I, I'm assuming that means solid ply, as in one ply. Um, so we've got yellow cedar, eastern black cherry, mahogany, dried mahogany. Um, so. Check that out if you want to go over to Sugar Percussion's website. But anyway, the clip I saw this week was um, a lot of the older guys might know who I'm talking about. If you've ever heard of Bruce Hornsby, um, he was really big in the 80s and early 90s. Um, and he's probably like what you would consider adult contemporary kind of or maybe even Americana yeah. style music now. 
Um, and like I said, if you don't dig that kind of music, I can totally understand. But I, what I would suggest is going on to YouTube and typing in Bruce Hornsby, and the name of the track is called Barren Ground. And he's got two live performances on YouTube, one with the drummer that has been playing with him forever. His name is Sonny Emery, and he is killer. He's done, you know, Modern Drummer Festival. He's done, like, all the big hits that a, a, a famous drummer would have done. He's a killer player with solid feel. And then there's another live track where it's Bruce Hornsby in The Noisemakers, I think is the name of the band, Yeah, doing the same song with another drummer, and I can't figure out who the guy is. He's, I think, just a little bit younger than Sonny Emery. But the cool thing about the song, Bruce Hornsby and the Noisemakers, Barren Ground, is the drummer gets this, like, what, 30-second drum intro before the song kicks in? And if you go look at it on YouTube, you'll see two completely different approaches. The one Sonny Emery does, where he kind of starts out with brushes, I think, and then halfway through switches to sticks to build the song in. And then the other guy, whose, whose name I couldn't find out, um just starts with sticks but it's like this cool like maybe 15 20 seconds of drum kind of soloing and then they really smoothly fade into the beat of the song and then before you know it he's playing and it's kind of that Carter Beaufort thing that we were talking about last week where it's like the snare the first snare hit is on the and of two like so one two and and then the second snare hit would, would be on four he goes to the floor tom so you get that really cool feel so go if you if you have time when you're not now because we're on live when we're done go look up bruce hornsby uh, and the title song uh, the title of the song is called barren ground there's two live copies out on youtube one was sonny emery he's the one that has the backwards cap on and then the other younger guy doesn't have a hat on in the other other version of the video um, but they both have a really cool drum intro that i think whether you like Bruce Bruce Hornsby or not, I think any drummer could value yeah. you know, the drum intro. I thought it was very cool. So that's kind of what I saw this week that I thought might be interesting to all of you. Did anybody have anything to say since I started running my mouth? Let's see. Uh, Brian says, thanks for the shout-out. Really impressed with how it turned out. Um, Thank you, Brian. That's all in, in said, part no, to y'all. He said, no, this is great, and so I guess he's going to stay. Awesome. Um, the wizard said, considering 18 to 20 foot of water at DuPont, no telling what was in the water. Yeah. yeah. All those Katrina kits, mm-hmm. some kind of magic that maybe gave us cancer was let into the water yeah. to help those drums out. So we might die 10 years earlier, but those drums are going to sound really good. Yeah. We basically kind of like <laughs> jump-started a process. We got a half-life. And they got the magic. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Then Mike said, Jarrett, when I stained my drums on the kit I built, I had a lot of fingerprint stains and ended up deciding just to stain the inside. And I like the look. I know people rag on sound, but oh well. That's what I plan on doing. Like those Ajax kits look cool with the inside stain. I don't, I, I don't agree. Not with what Mike's saying. Yeah. but Okay, so if you don't stain the inside, is it probably a more pure sound? Sure. If something happens and you got some fingerprints on the inside and you had to stain it, is it gonna make that much of a difference? No. No, because like on that, on it's that, negligible. On that last custom kit I did that I got from Infinity Drumworks, their shells with that birch babinga. Yeah. That I did at twelve, sixteen, twenty-four. I did not realize how, like, very straight to the point I was with JP. My friend's dad owns a 
uh, auto paint and body shop. And so I was like, hey, Mr. Johnny, can you paint these drones for me? He goes, sure. And so I went back and forth with one of the local paint guys who helps him with all of his paint stuff, um, you know, how to get it set up for auto body paint, which is a whole different beast compared to, like, what you would use for wood. Um, and so I went through, and I taped the edges and stuff off for him, and then I taped the insides so it wouldn't bleed through all the – because it's already pre-drilled. I didn't think about masking the inside off because I figured Johnny would have done it. I go, yeah, right, everything's already taped off. He goes, it's all taped off? Cool. And then they just went straight And he just went to town on it. The town. So I have overspray on the inside of the drums um, where it like, um, like speckled on the inside. And then you see my smooth lines because I was lazy instead of just doing like, like a piece here and a piece there. I just did whole strips, like just covering up the holes. <laughs> so instead of being all lined up and nice, it's like one's kind of cockeyed, one's straight. One's like doubled because I tore the tape in half. So it doesn't look the best, but you're not going to really see it anyway. So, Like I said, I think it's very negligible. And think about it. Gretsch and Ludwig have made a legacy off of Gretsch's silver sealer. Yeah. And the white, I don't think it's anything other than just white paint, but just the white paint that yeah. comes on. They don't do that anymore, do they? They do now. They brought it back. They brought it back. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of their new stuff, I think it was like a year or so ago, they started putting the whitewash back in drums. Cause I but I mean, old. they've made their reputations off of covering the inside of the shell. So yeah. I don't think it's going to make that that much of a difference. I do like the look of a raw you know, unfinished inside of the shell. But if something happens and you had to stain it, it's not that big yeah. of a deal. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't see it personally. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, Mike said one vote for contrasting wood hoops. Sorry. I'm watching a half hour behind broadcast late lesson scheduled. You're good. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Contrast on the hoops all day. Contrast. That's my, that's my vote. I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. So, and actually, speaking of Mr. Mike Malone, that is more of my drum news for the week because I did my homework this week and Jarrett did not. For oh. Jarrett might have been on time today. If you'll notice, down there, Jarrett still only has two tardies. I was way early today, and he pizza. was only early because we were going to eat pizza. Yeah. So don't let him toot his horn too much. But he's got two tardies, and I guess I probably get one tardy because. We didn't start till six oh two because we were pizza talking um, down at Brooklyn's. But it was good. We haven't seen Phil in so long. Very true. It was good to see Phil. Um, but anyway, back to what I was saying for drum news. A new product that came out, and Mr. Mike Malone actually did the review. I watched that today, and I think uh, I know it's it's Mike Malone M A L O N E. Just type in Mike Malone drums. That should take you to his channel. Um, I watched his video today, or maybe it was like a week ago that he put the video up, but I watched it today for the, I hope I get this right, the Kicker 4.0 by something acoustics. I can't even read my own handwriting. Um, anyway, go, <laughs> go to Mike's channel and check it out. It's um, It's a piece of shaped foam that's tunable that you can put in your kick drum to dampen or muffle your kick drum. And you can like pull different parts of the foam out to tune the muffling. You can put mics on. It's really cool video. And that is the kicker 4.0 by something acoustics. I yeah, can't cause they, Cause from this video, they, they make acoustic treatment for your rooms and they just happen to also decide to make it for bass drums too. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's it, and you need to know what size you're playing because it's, it's very specific to your bass drum. Yeah, like if it's a fourteen, I mean a twenty by fourteen, that's what it's going to fit. Yep. If it's a twenty-two by sixteen, 
that's what it's going to fit. But Mike did a good job. He got straight to the point. He had good sound examples, and he showed a lot of how it works and looks. So go to, just type in Mike Malone Drums on YouTube and go look for the Kicker 4.0 by something or other acoustics. I can't read my own handwriting. Good job on that, Brian. Um, And give Brian's uh, channel a look. He's got some cool stuff. He did Mike. What did I say? said Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Brian from DFD. Give Mike Malone's channel a look. He's got some cool videos. We watched the... um, the 90s broadcaster. Yeah. And he also has, <laughs> comparing the broadcaster to a Catalina. Yeah. The newer ones like uh, we got from Hugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but check that out. Check his channel out in general. He's got um, good content up there. So I think that is all of my... Make sure to check out the Bruce Hornsby video, Barren Ground. Make sure to go check out Mike Malone Drums on YouTube. Again, thank you to Brian and DFD, Drum Factory Direct, for... Getting me all my stuff for the beautiful snare drum that was built this week, which we are going to play with later tonight. And I think that probably wraps us up. Is there anything else you can think of in the drum news department, or are there anything uh, we need to catch up in the comments before we move on to the regular? Uh, nope. No new comments, and I believe that's it. Sweet. Okay, so with all of the... House cleaning and all that stuff out of the way. We're going to get into tonight's topic, which probably falls really well within everything we've been talking about. You getting the new symbol, me building a snare drum that looks like it came from 1900, even though it's 2020. Yeah. 21. Um, the, the topic um, of today's discussion is going to be chasing mojo or chasing tone. And what we mean by that is like, You'll see drummers, and they'll call it gas, which is gear acquisition syndrome, yep. which I know is a real thing, but there's also what I would argue guys like Jarrett and I do, uh, where it's not gas because I see cool drum stuff all day, and I have a Sweetwater card. I could get 48 funds financing on a DW kit. I don't want it. Yeah. I know there's a lot of stuff you can afford to get that you just don't. We're not. We don't shop from a gear acquisition point of view yeah I, I, at least i don't think i do no i really don't think you do um i think what Jarrett and i are doing a lot of the time are is chasing tone chasing mojo chasing a specific sound yeah um whether it be a drum kit whether it be a snare drum whether it be a cymbal um even and, the parts that go to it like heads is a big thing i know for me specifically yeah. um getting to try everything out you know and, and i think as you get older as a drummer and you start knowing how or what type of drummer you want to be, then you start figuring out the sound you want. And I personally chase super old snare drums down, like 1920s and 1930s single-tension snare drums, solid-ply 40s or 50s snare drums, uh, like really old brass drums like I have my uh, 30s Pioneer over here. Um, What do you think you have the most of in your vintage collection as far as like similar drums would it be solid ply would it be metal would it be it would it would be i guess like the most i have would be the solid stuff i got from Hugh. those old slingerlands those old gene krupa models would be able to have the most because i have three of those um, but i mean i think the point being is you end up finding what you want or you know at least you can hear it in your head and that's what i mean when i say chasing tone or mojo not just randomly buying the newest AAX explosion that comes out or yeah. the newest 
collector series cherry burst mod that comes whatever yeah um i think what Jarrett and i are doing are really more chasing a specific sound and i know i'm really good about it i don't know about you um i think you're kind of good about it but you don't always tell me how you acquire stuff i'm really good of get getting rid of stuff as i acquire stuff i'm in the current or currently i'm trying to acquire a bunch of the new Istanbul exist and exist dark dry symbols. Mm-hmm. And I am one at a time getting rid of uh, Sabian symbols. That I don't play anymore that I have built up a stock of as I pick up, you know, when I got the first couple of Istanbul's, I sold like two Sabians um, to cover the price. And I've sold a couple since then. And I got my crash coming in and then I'll sell the last piece that I have on eBay, which you'll pay for, the hi-hats and then I have a full set of Istanbul's and would have gotten rid of a bunch of Sabians that are awesome symbols that I just don't really use anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're the same way or if you just go ahead and buy stuff. Um, a lot of it has mostly changed for me in the last like year. Um, so what I've been mostly playing in the past like two years was um, whenever Zildjian came out with the K suites, that's whenever I kind of like started going through and changing a bunch of stuff. Because before then, um, I was playing an old pair of Legacy hi hats I'd gotten from Pinkston's when I was in high school. So it was something like 2011, 12. Well, they didn't, no, 2010, because I graduated in 13. So like 2010, I got those hats. I had that K Custom 20 inch dark ride I got for Christmas years before that. Had that Crash of Doom. I that was that was my main setup. Was I'd have the Crash of Doom, that K uh, Custom Dark, and then those Legacy hats. And then I one Christmas I got a, a K Custom 18 inch Crash, and I played that a lot for a while. Uh, whenever I didn't have the Doom out with me, and that was that was like my main setup. I'd play those three symbols religiously. Um, and then kind of fell off in college, and then uh, in the past like couple of years of. I've kind of figured out, you know, where I want to go, like symbol sound wise, because um, I have those. I have a, the new Avidus that they came out with a couple years ago. I have a fifteen, nineteen, and a twenty-two, I believe. Which I really liked. You brought them out to the Juke a couple of times. Yeah, and those are cool sounding symbols. And when I say this, I don't mean it the wrong way to you or anybody of your age, but. As you get older, that's what I would expect. I don't expect anybody that's 19 years old to know exactly what they want. Yeah. Because they probably don't even know what kind of drummer they really want to be. You don't really know that much when you're that old. But as you get older, not only do you figure out what kind of drummer you want to be, but then you know, oh, well, then I prefer, because of the sounds I produce, metal snares. Yeah. Or big cymbals. Or, and I think you're getting to that point where you're starting to go, oh, okay, I've played this stuff, which is the stuff everybody starts out with. K regular K's K darks DW or and but now you know you like this vintage Ajax kit or these K Constantinople so I think as you get older um, and me being on the back end of that you're 25 yeah be 26 in April yeah I'm 39 so I really know what I want that's why I can be so vocal about no this is what I'm going yeah. after I do not want the six ply maple blah 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 I want single ply 1930s with some blood on like 
some dude got stabbed in a juke, a real juke joint, yeah. in the, like a speakeasy, and I want somebody's ghost to come out of the snare and scare me every time they hit a rim shot or something <laughs> yeah. dumb like that. Yeah. Um, so that's what we really mean when we talk about chasing tone. We are not talking about gear acquisition syndrome, which I think we've both done. I did it when I was your age, and I'm sure you've gone through a phase where it was just like, no, I want yes, this, I want that. A, you know, it was a very short spurt because I was, I was flipping and wheeling and dealing. Oh, like quick like my mom couldn't keep track of what was coming in outside the house because i was just like i was getting it i'd fix it and i'd trade it i'd sell it and i'd flip it and i'd get something else and then i finally it was whenever i basically built up to the getting that yamaha kit that i played for yeah. forever because i had that for a while yes the beautiful yeah. pearl reference <laughs> but I, fi I finally figured out like the drum sounds i like and the cymbal sounds i like and so now I'm just trying to get rid of the stuff I don't play. Well, I think that's a good place to start, though, before we even get too deep into it. Like, you know, being that that's the main organ in the body of drums, you got to find out what drums you like first. Yeah. Like, do you like maple? Do you like birch? Do you like mahogany? Do you like poplar? Do you like 24-inch kick drums? Do you like 16-inch kick drums? Like, what yeah. is your thing? Um I prefer, and you know, it's, it's weird because it's changed over the years, but because now, even though I play pretty much the same sizes on everything, size is not that really a big of a deal to me anymore. Like, I could make anything about, you know, maybe not a 30-inch kick, but I can make any kick sound the way I want it to. Yeah. I can make any time. I'm more specific to, like, if it's vintage, obviously a lot of times it's going to be that mahogany poplar mahogany or mahogany uh, maple poplar maple kind of yeah. thing um which is something i prefer and if we're talking about modern stuff i like maple i do not like birch uh I, even though babinga is a really pretty sounding wood i like because maple for me is in the middle birch is all attack oriented you really hear the punch of a birch you hear the definition mm -hmm. um and then like mahogany being the darker, rounder toned woods where it's all about the the thumb or the tone of the wood mm -hmm. I can you hear that? Yes. Yeah. I wonder if they can hear that. I got somebody out uh, in, in the street thumping. That's that just super, about the time, bro. Just about the time I went thump, they start thumping. That's that super, bro. Outside. I know that's they got a thirty-inch kick out there. But um, you know, being that birch is on the bright end with the definition, and mahogany is on the low end with the the tone or the shape. Yeah, I like that maple is right in the middle, and I think that's very evident from the Pearl Reference series, where the sixes, eights, and tens are more blended to the birch side, and then the twelves and the thirteens are maple. I believe the twelve itself is actually just all maple, and then as you go down from fourteen, sixteen into the kick sizes, they work more of the Afri African mahogany. In. Yeah. So I like personally maple. Give me a good maple kit with like a twenty-inch kick. Um, ideally, and a maple snare, and I'm good to go. Yeah. Like, I could die with that pearl reference, which is 10, 12, 14, 20, and, like, a maple six-ply snare, and I'm fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you kind of lean... Like, what do you, for shell composition... I don't like maple. I only have maple just because I know it works with anything. Yeah. So, to me, it's literally, like, a part of a toolkit at that point, like... You gotta have maple because it, it's gonna sound good no other. But I don't like maple. That um, oh my, what am I blanking on? That I had it. Now he has a whole shell pack of uh, what is that Yamaha kit? I used to gig with until I sold it to the music school. 
uh, Yamaha kit? Yeah, I had, had a Yamaha kit. It was uh, 10, 12, 14, 20 with a snare. I can't remember. Like a stage custom? Yeah, that's what it was. Stage oh. custom. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember. It was like, it's not a tour custom. That's the main thing. No, one. stage custom. Yeah, which stage is custom. what? Primarily birch. It's all birch, yeah. Um, I had that for a while. But I liked it a lot. Because um, it was real, for the music I was playing, it was real, you know, punching it. Well, it was real like, attack heavy. And I worked for the music, but I. I don't like birch, predominantly. I don't like maple because to me, maple's bland, and everyone and their mother plays maple, and there's nothing wrong with it. I just think maple. Well, like you said, it's very easy and it fits on just about everything. Yeah, I prefer like mahogany or weird stuff. Like walnut to me is like if I ever get like another kit personally, like I want another one made, I would want Swindle to make me a walnut kit. I I was I was bored last night looking for like I was like well what if like what if my band because because my band's like going in a more like harder direction like we're starting to play a more like more like grit door stuff and I was like well what like well what if I you know needed a more like hardcore more like attacking modern sound in case like at, with income like worst comes worst like my mahogany mahogany tune whatever heads to put on it's just too much tone like what if I need to just have something because we got two guitars now yeah. so just one. And I was looking through, I was going through Drum Center Portsmouth, and I was like, okay, who would have the size I'd want to play, which is 12, you know, 12, uh, 20, 12, 14. And I did not know that they were, like, so reasonably priced. Star Classic Birch Walnut yeah. is, like, f- 16 or 15 out the door for a three-piece. super high quality because it's Tama. Yeah. So it's going to be really well built. Yeah, and I was like, if um, I have I to think get was something. was Spencer last week that was asking about that? Or yeah, somebody was asking about the... I think it's Spencer got the not a walnut, but he got the he actually got the Babinga birch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you could always go with 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 Tama and th- that's going to be a good pick. Um, but I can see why you like the mahoganies and stuff like that, because you like the vintage drums a lot. Yeah, I love that's always going to be mahogany, poplar mahogany or mahogany mate or poplar maple, maple, poplar maple. Yeah. Um, so I, I the more I get I've gotten I've always had vintage drums, but I didn't play them out a lot but now that i've been bringing this stuff out more i'm kind of with you on um those either of those two vintage blends because it to me just you get more like hutzpah more umph yes out of it i mean no i'm with you there's more there's more junk in the trunk yeah behind the tone maybe you you don't have as much of the the front end hit or the attack that a modern kit might give but you know you just throw some mics on it and you're yeah. gonna be fine. And I guess like like another thing is like once you mic it up, I mean the drum's gonna cut through whatever you're True. doing. Yeah. You know. Like I just like I just like the more rounder tones. Like to me, it's just yeah. And I say which is weird is like because you know like I have like a bunch of like weirdly tuned snare drums. Yes. And Jared's ideas and mine on tuning a snare drum are vastly different, but. I do like the way a lot of your snare drum sounds, so I, I can understand your tuning approach. Yeah, because like the like I was I was like thinking about like like compartmentalizing like everything like how like my sounds to be, like if I'm playing jazz, the bass drum's got to be wide open. Yeah, and it's got to be all tone, no attack, because that's how I could play yeah. it. And then I've I've slowly kind of like dialed that back for a more like pop and rock setting. Yeah. Which kind of is one thing I, I really liked when I was watching Mike's video. He was talking about that he has his kick drums thump no matter what. He's like, yeah. and he says specifically, like, even on a swing gig, he's like, and I'm like, that's cool because, you know, most guys would always lean towards the 
no ported front head, just boom, 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 boom. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having some thump behind a swing tune. So I I liked Mike's approach to that. Um, You know, and being like we were saying that the drums is like the body of what we're talking about. Um, I would say you go a level deeper when chasing tone. Yeah. Um, I would say there's three levels and I don't care if you agree. This is my show. This is what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, It's our (laughs) show. Um, But so if that's the base of the whole thing and you can kind of go deep on, you can go very deep, but if you kind of go deep on kits, I would say one level deeper is to go after the snare drum. Yeah. And that's, that's now you're getting super picky. Um, some guys we know have one snare drum and they're happy with it. And I have no, and to me it's mind boggling, but I could, no, I, I, it's not my, I can see how, you know, if you find something you like and you're like, this is great. I've yeah. got a 14 by six and a half Bloodwig black beauty. Yeah. I don't think anybody can agree or, you know, argue that that's an awesome snare drum. Yeah. So if that's the only thing you needed, I get it. Then there's guys like you, me, Hugh. I don't know how many, I don't know if Pat is still really into carrying a lot of, or keeping a lot of snare drums. Uh, Ray Hanser has a lot of snare drums. There are guys on the other end of the spectrum that want to have, I guess an easy way to put it would be a snare drum for every occasion. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I kind of like, like Steve Jordan's approach. Like whenever Steve Jordan plays live, like I think it was like with uh, John Mayer, I want to say he had his tech was in the wings. Oh, they show the video clip. Yeah. And he has the, he's in like, in like the wings, the stage behind him. And like, as soon as he like, waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to change. Done, two, cut, cut, check a dot. It's a whole new snare for the next song. Oh, we'll see in the clip I'm thinking of. You're talking about like on stage. The the yeah. clip I've seen is while Stephen Jordan is playing on stage, there's the stage hand sitting at this huge flight case that has like eight snare drums in it. And, you know, Steve Jordan plays, uh, doesn't he play Yamaha? Yep. So even though he's a Yamaha endorsed artist, he's probably one of the few artists that they'll let play any other gear. Like, you know, normally they're pretty hard on you like, if we endorse you, you play our gear, our yeah. snare drums, our hardware, our 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 kits. Mm-hmm. Steve Jordan is a Yamaha endorsed artist, and he's got Yamaha snares. He's got at, looking at that case on the video. He, there were Ludwig's in there. There was a Gretsch. There's like all kinds of stuff, and it's the same kind of thing. He's got a very specific snare tone or sound in mind for this song or for this part of this song yeah. or for this section of the show. So I think. That's the next level deeper is to go, you know, then you start talking about, well, is it wood? Is it metal? Is it five and a half inches deep? Is it six and a half inches deep? Or are you a piccolo guy? Or are you a marching snare guy like that beautiful um, Ludwig that you have that we've seen on this show? Um, And you and I have, before we go too deep into the snare thing, keep in mind, even though Jarrett and I do chase tone or mojo a lot, we both have had the discussion. Well, if you had to have two snare drums, you know, that's it. Yeah. What would they be? Or could you, could you even live with just two snare drums? Both of us said, yes. Yeah. What were the two mine, that you said you could, you know, mine gun was, to your head? Yeah. Mine was that, that Mapex brass master. Um, that was on the one that we did the size. Uh, it's going to be five and a half by 14. It is black nickel over brass, and it's the transition uh, snare drum from uh, the Mapex to the Black Panther uh, line. 
I looked that up. That was, that was pretty neat. I'm like, I got a black pen. Didn't even know it. Uh, shout out to Pat McGinley for that one because I love that thing. And then my the big fight, my metal is that one. And then for wood, it's that, I mean, all the snares I got from here are sweet, but I really love that broadcaster that I got from Forks. Uh, that's, a, that, that, that's a nice, yeah. I keep forgetting to bring the picture of that drum. Doesn't matter what we're talking about next week. They just need to see a picture of that drum. Yeah, it's pretty because it's, it's the retro build out on a broadcaster. So it's the 301 hoop. So it's single or in the, yeah, no, is it single or is it no flange? I can't remember. I have to look at the drum. I might be single flange. Single. So it's single flange and it's got the, the claws on top of it. It's got the, uh, the tunable butt plate, and then it also has the new super sensitive throw off with the locking button, and then it has the internal super double wide muffler system on it, and it also has the uh, drum key air gasket. You can put your key. It's got everything on it. All the bells and whistles, both super wide. And that what's that shell? Uh, it's a broadcaster, so that's going to be three ply of maple poplar maple. Um, so you know. You've got two five and a halves. Yeah, they're both five and a halves. Maple and, uh, and brass. Uh, uh, not maple. Wood and br- uh, yeah. And wood, wood and metal. Yep. And I'm the same way. You know, if a gun to my head, if I could have my f- six and a half by fourteen pearl brass free floater, it's the I've never played that on a gig that I didn't like it on. No matter how big the room, um, that would be my. Um, that would be my metal. And those are you can find those anywhere. You can go on eBay right now and probably find a used one. For three hundred dollars, if you catch one, you know at the right time. Yeah. Um. And I, for me, brass kind of works as a metal drum on everything. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be brass like ours, where it actually looks like brass. It could be chrome over brass. It could be nickel over brass. It could be whatever. Um. I think brass has such a nice cutting tone. Can be fat and can be cracky. Yeah. Um. That it'll work on just about anything. And for a wood snare, um. My signature snare, which it, I, I jokingly call it a signature snare, but it, it's basically um, when I ordered that Pearl Free Floater, it was a maple six and a half by 14, and I hated it. And I gave it to Pat for like two years. And then I finally got it back, and I still hated it. And then I had, because it wasn't in stock at the time, I had to have Pearl actually make a, a brass insert. So it became a brass shell, and I love it to death. I would never sell it. I've been offered more than double the value for that snare drum. Um, but I took the insert. So if it's a six-and-a-half-inch sh- uh, drum, those inserts are a, an inch shorter than what the, the measurement is because the basket at the bottom is about an inch thick. So the wood section would have been five-and-a-half. Hugh took it, and because I wanted to be weird and make something that nobody else had, yeah. we cut super wide snare beds into it so it'll accept anything my favorite you can put 16 strand you can put 14 strand you can put 30 strand you can put 42 strand snare wires on this snare and it will work just fine and i had him cut it to 4.75 on the depth or four and three quarters on the depth so it is a four and three quarters by 14 inch with super fat snare beds and it is just a maple, you know, just a typical maple pearl shell. So that's six ply maple. It's got die cast hoops on it and it cracks and has more volume than any other snare I have. When I record here at home, no drum snare drum that I own peaks the microphone. I hit that thing one time when I'm recording with it and it instantly peaks and I'm not hitting any harder. Yeah. It's just that drum 
sounds so good and throws out so much volume. So that's all I would need would be my six and a half by 14 brass pearl. And then that, um, that four and three quarters custom built signature pearl snare drum is, is all I would need. And I, and I, I would, um, I would kind of put it to everybody watching, you know, sit down and think about if it was one or two snare drums, mm -hmm. what would be the one that you could live with on every gig? Yeah. Um, but we don't do that around here. No, we don't. No, 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 no. Jarrett's up to how many snares? I got to double check the count, but I know it's over 20. I'm, I was at 10, but as of this week, now we're at 11. But I just built, built one. So, but that's what it is. I think a lot of the times is Jarrett and I, and people like us that do that are going for a very lately. I've been going for that Levon helm thing, dirty, sloshy, thuddy, not very clean tone snare drums, typically twenties and thirties, single tension, wood hoops or not doesn't really matter, but like a really dirty thwacky sound. Um, and some of my other favorite, um, vintage snare drums like the jazz festival I got the Ludwig jazz festival I got off you which is eight lug um, I have a 1930s brass pioneer um, I have two 13 inch 1920s or 30s single tension Ludwigs and then the single tension that we just built this week that kind of encapsulates that gutter trash kind of sounding snare yeah very trash canny open snare wires, like not very tight on the snare wires, probably mid tension on most of them. Um, just a really good backbeat snare. Um, I've got stuff that would sound better in a solo situation, like a lot of the pearls I have, but you know, I have all the modern clean sounding stuff and I have had those for years lately. It's been more of shaping a specific tone that might not necessarily work on every gig or every musical situation, but these older snares that, I mean, something you can't argue with, whether you like the super old snares or some of these snares that really aren't in playing condition because they're 1900s yeah. and they're turn of the century and they might even have not even single tension, like rope tension. They've got a lot of character. Yeah. So especially I would think in a recording situation, which is I do that a lot here for the regular videos on the channel, I can get some really interesting sounds. You made a comment about that kind of Motown song that I did, which had the Ludwig Jazz Festival on, which sounded perfect. Like the track I downloaded off the website I use for all the YouTube music he was recording it with a modern sounding drum set and they were doing a Motown song and it sounded fine. And then I did the playover for it and it sounded, I mean, I even had to pat myself on the back. It sounded like a Motown yeah, cause every, sound. Yeah, Cause like you, like the, the, since you put that, that full rezzo head on. Like yeah. No like, port on the front yeah, of my you, Ludwig. It's, it's the, the whole like vibe of the, of the tune change. Cause I mean like it's, cause I like that, that old kind of, gritty snare sound and you had that going on and you had the nice like you could kind of almost hear the slap back yeah from the bass drum from yeah the, from the rezzo head so it's like it was a whole like it was there yeah it was, it was working really nice so that's what i you know that's the shape i've got modern stuff for days i've got modern symbols and i've got modern snares and i've got modern kits but if i want something that if, if you know as to say you were to hear it and go oh well that's steven I know that's just like when people hear Levon's sound, 
they go, that's Levon Helm. It's a very thuddy, thwacky snare sound, that muted 70s tom tone. Yeah. Like, you know that that's him, and I'm kind of chasing that right now, searching for drums that were in the 1920s and 1930s, and now basically building a modern version of a 1920s snare drum kind of encapsulates now all i think i really want to find and we've talked about it a bunch is a single tension bass drum that would kind of round out that section of my sound um but like i don't know what what have you been looking for lately or have already found as far as like really shaping your sound not in a modern direction because we know you have the brass master and you've got yeah. some really good modern but like or it, i guess it could be modern but really just what have you been searching for as like shaping Jarrett's what tone have you been chasing or what mojo have you been you know chasing it's definitely like the older vibe like um anything like pre-70s uh so like if I've I've had my heart looking for a nice player's grade Gretsch round badge or even to like the the stop sign badge. So I guess that also, which is not to be confused with the drop G. That's the one thing with Gretsch that I do not like is that too many badges. There's too many badges. There's there's and they and they're very similar because one's more stop sign, one's long, one has the regular G, one G has the long stem that comes all the way down. Then you have the round badge. And then you have the old round badges, and uh, then the new round badges. Yeah, because because yeah, because the, yeah, the old round badges. Don't some of them don't have the nipple on it, and then some do have the nipple on it. So it's like it's it's there's so much to it. That's the only gripe I have with Gretsch is that their badges to me are confusing. If you're not like, at least I'd give Ludwig this much, even though Ludwig has the same amount of badges. They all look different. Yeah, they don't. You know, Keystone does not look like Blue and Olive. Does not look like. The old paper tags or the transition not, does not look like transition badge. They all are very, very different. And even though they're on a Keystone badge now that they've been using since like what the late nineties, yeah, it looks different than other Keystone. Yeah, because it's it's completely flat. There's no. Yeah. There's so no I'll give them that. At least yeah. Ludwig, even though they have a billion badges, they all look different. Gretsch is kind of confusing because it's like four sections of badges, and all the badges in each section kind of look like each other. Yep. And it's very hard to you know to distinguish. And even the new stuff now, the broadcasters and the USA Customs use the same badge. The Brooklyn's have a whole different badge, which looks similar to the Catalinas, because they now use round badges too. So all the badges are currently are round for some weird reason, which is weird. So the Catalinas have the round one, and it says like Catalina underneath it, and on the underneath it, Brooklyn's got the same thing. Yeah. And then the broadcasters in USA have that, but the Renowns have it just a simple black round, and it says it straight across. It's not just, it's not curved around like the other drums, which to me makes no sense. I was like, how, <laughs> how, how are you going to give the true round badge treatment to all the other lines except like your your mid level your flagship mid level yeah like that a lot of people have those that can't afford the USA customs and a, the a lot of, is what they go for and a lot of guys that I watch who are endorsed by Gretsch they'll use they'll keep their customs at home and, and they'll the and they'll tour with renowns yeah like the guy from Beartooth has a sweet they're more like you know more like post core kind of rock band. But he gigs with the renowned 24, 13, 16. That's his. He he has his bell brass snare. Granted, he brings out just like seven inches deep or whatever. Yeah. Massive. But he's playing a Gretsch renowned. You know, because he goes on tour. And it's White Marine Pearl, which is cool because he's playing in this, you know, post core band. Yeah, but he's got White, White Marine, Marine Pearl, Pearl drums. Yeah. Um, well, like you were saying, though, you tend to lean towards the older 
uh, the older drums. Because a lot of um, my favorite guys all played Gretsch from back in the day. Yeah. I mean, that was just a... And I guess somebody could argue, well, all y'all are doing is just transitioning from new stuff to old stuff, um, which I can't argue with, but I could say, well, if I had to, you know, if I was chasing tone, there would be plenty of stuff I would be chasing that's modern made. Like, yeah. If you were to chase something tonally, like a snare drum, what would it be in a modern sense? Like, I know you just got the stave snare. So is it like stave drums or is there a specific brand out there that you wish you could get a hold of because it's a very specific sounding snare, but modern made? I already have it. And that's that broadcaster that I got. I mean, it's it's the old formula, but it's it's new technology and it's new. I mean, it's it's not, you know, one to one, I believe, of the old formula. No, but it's a good snare. It is a it is a it's a great snare. it's a dang good snare. Tell you what, I and mean, I, and you got it on a deal, didn't you? Oh, it's solid because he the people at Forks. I had that. I bought that snare drum, that kit, and those two cymbals when I was there. And uh, like after like the price cuts and everything, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but those cymbals were basically free. Yeah. After, well, I mean, you know, after what they did a deal for, because I came in there, and you know, I got the the kit and snare. I mean, it was like you know, I think maybe one of the cymbals might have been free, basically. Yeah. Uh, because I well, that's. You're buying two cymbals, a kit, and a snare. It's not hard to yeah, throw. Yeah, brand new cymbals, too, that just came out fresh off the press from Zildjian, because that's when the K-Suites just came out. And the Cluster Crash had only been out, I think, for like three months at that point. Yeah. And they had one. Still a good deal. I was like, I'm going to get it. And I, so I don't th- whether you're chasing tone in a vintage setting or modern setting, it really just sounds like you're just, and I think nobody around here would be surprised to hear you say you're just a Gretsch guy. Yeah. Um, which I... Anybody says that, and I can totally understand. I'm not necessarily a Gretsch guy. Yeah. Um, I actually prefer in a vintage or modern setting, and I did chase round badges for a while. I got a round badge off of Hugh. I had several round badge snares, um, and they were all super nice, but I prefer Ludwig um, in a vintage setting, and I would love to get my hands on one of their new either Legacy Maple or we were talking the other day about the modern version of the Club Date. Yeah. Um, I would love, please, if somebody from Ludwig is watching, I know I'm a nobody who's terrible, but please give me a, <laughs> please give me a new USA made Ludwig <laughs> kit. I would love it. Um, so I've always kind of considered myself a Ludwig guy, but if somebody were to make that argument, like I just posed to you, oh, well, you're just saying you either have the modern stuff, but when you chase tone, you're just chasing vintage stuff. I would say, no, that's not true because if I weren't, at least right now, my focus is on finding super dirty in the gutter trash can snares from the turn of the century. If I wasn't doing that, I'd be trying to scrape money together to either get a solid ply Noble and Cooley, yeah, or a solid ply Sugar Percussion. I would, I would go with you on the Noble and Cooley, but I would take a left turn and want a Craviato. Or yeah, I, no matter what you buy, if you're going to spend the above thousand dollar price tag on a solid ply snare. You're gonna get a good product. I don't yeah. care who makes it. If it's Craviato, if it's Noble and Cooley, if it just doesn't, um, or is Brady all stave? I think Brady is all stave. Um, if it's a sugar, or and I actually started looking online the other the other night at wood bending companies that don't necessarily make drums that sell solid ply shells, and they start out for an unfinished solid ply shell from like. Um, 
a, just a, a wood steam bending company, it's like 400 bucks. So that's why those drums are so expensive. And if I wasn't doing the vintage thing and rounding out my vintage collection, which I think I pretty much just did. Yeah. I've acquired all the snares I want. I have a club date I love. I just built myself a modern version of a single tension snare. Um, I think I've rounded out the vintage collection. And that will probably be the next... That will, I can actually say that was pretty much with some certainty. The next roller coaster I jump on will be, what can I sell that I don't use? What can I get rid of and thin out the herd to come up with between $1,000 and $1,600? Because I'm not going to come out of pocket. I just yeah. don't have that kind of money. I don't think any of us really do. Um, I know several people that it was their lifelong dream, Johnny Vidakovich being one of them. I saw the video where, if you don't know who Johnny Vidakovich is, he is like the master of New Orleans drumming, um, who was Stanton Moore's mentor, who, like, he is the guy. You want to talk about New Orleans drumming? It's like Zigaboo, Model East from the Meters, and Johnny Vidakovich. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody in New Orleans would disagree with me that Johnny is like the godfather of modern New Orleans drumming. Um, so there was a video where he like lifelong dream of owning I can't remember the size, but he wanted a solid ply noble and cooley and he finally got it. Um so if it was a noble and cooley or maybe even something like the sugar percussion with be, there being a newer company, um, or if I could find one of those um seventy fifth anniversary pearl solid ply snares yeah. that you see floating around sometimes, um I think with some certainty, that's going to be, I can tell you, that's going to be the next thing you see me fawning over is like a nice wood solid ply snare. Um, I don't, what would you, if you were to guess, or do you even know with any certainty on the, what you think the next thing you're going to be chasing? Cause guys like you and me are always going to be doing that. Yeah. It's always going to be chasing that tone. And like, well, that's the topic of today, no. chasing that tone and chasing that mojo. It's it, mojo. It's like, it's like, you know, chasing the dragon. Like, that never ends. Yeah. You know, you never stop wanting this or that. So what would you kind of, uh, you know, be chasing if you were to guess? Uh, so if I'm able to kind of get everything, like, squared away and start going. I know, like, on, like, the chopping block, I really want a either another broadcaster in sizes I want, like in the 12, 14, 20. Or yeah, because the one you had was large size. Yeah, it was 13, 16, So you 24. want more of like the bop sizes. Yeah, because I, cause I was playing, you know, you know, bigger music and so I was like, I'll try bigger drums. It's like, and I love Gretsch and that. That was just too good of a deal to pass, honestly, when I was at Forks. I mean, for those sizes, for $1,800, it's like, ugh, you can't say no to that. And it's like, you know, right place, right time. I was like, if I if I don't do it now, I'll never do it again, kind of deal. So I went ahead and just bit the bullet and did it. And I played them, and I liked them. It just quite wasn't my thing um, after playing them for a while. They were it, nice drums. Oh, yeah. But I could see, like, you know, the unruliness of a 24-inch or what was it, 26? A little 24. 24-inch kick, you know, the big toms, you know, and that's a little harder to, to travel with. So. And I am very, very peculiar with, like, how my toms have to be set up because I sit so high, and I like to be everything to be, like, to tower over. I never forget Phil whenever I sat in for you uh one Sunday. He comes up, he's like, Why do you sit so high? Everything's like flat and you're over top of him. I'm like, dude, it's all right here. And it's now like, you have him sitting up high. Yeah. He told me. He's like, Jared's got me sitting up high now. So it, I mean it works. I mean it's it's what I like to do. And I think if everyone tries to sit high at least once, if you don't like it, you can always go back down. But I'm pretty sure once you go up, you're not coming back down. 
So that would be the thing you're chasing is the proper sizes in proper a modern size. build. In a modern French. build, yeah, because because the the Brooklyn kind of is like the segue for me it, between having the Renown and then having the Broadcaster or the USA Custom. I just couldn't. I don't think if I was able. I mean, I'd love to have USA Custom, but I don't think at least for like two years I would trust myself personally. Like, hey, you want to go play with Felix's? I'm like, yeah, let me pull up my $3,000 nah, Gretsch K. Like, yeah. I, would, I would have to let, you know, let me mess them up at the house before I'd feel comfortable going down the beachfront playing those. I mean, I'm the biggest uh, uh, proponent of if you own it, you should play it. Yeah. I used to be one of these idiots a long time ago, and I say idiot really referring to myself, that had all these great collectible drums and would never play them. I don't believe in that anymore. I don't care if it's this 1930s snare or this 1930s snare or whatever. I'm If I own it, I'm going to take it out and play it. And Jared can attest to that. I've taken these club dates to the juke joint. Yep. I've taken both of the 1930s, all three of the 1930s snares to the juke joint. I don't care, um, but I can't understand having reservations about taking a brand new USA custom Gretsch out to anything short of a tour gig. Yeah, I would. I would definitely let me let them. You know. All right, they're fine. Yeah. Let, let that. Let the. I guess like the 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 honeymoon stage kind of like you know fade out. I'm like, all right, now I don't care if, if some. Jerk doesn't like our version of playing Valerie. He can throw a beer at me while I was yeah. wipe it off. It'll be fine, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's that'd be like my only thing. But like, like I said, like the Brooklyn kind of like is the middleman between. It's a good way to go. It's between because cool because like cool. I, I like the old school sound. It's just a lot of modern music sometimes doesn't quite call for it. True. And I've noticed that with like my symbol selection and where I'm going towards. It's definitely that old school. Nut. Yeah, right, hold on there. I'm gonna stop you. So we've both said the kits. Yeah. The first level being the kits. We both prefer vintage and new. Yeah. You know, we've talked about how we could live with a, a metal and a wood snare drum. We talked about the things we're gonna be chasing in the future. I'm gonna be looking for a solid ply snare. Jarrett's gonna be looking for the proper sizes in a. Gretsch kit, whether it be a USA Custom or it be a Brooklyn or a Broadcast, whatever. I'm like, I find a really nice player's grade. The, vintage, the, yeah. the third level, and I think everybody would agree, the most picky level for a drummer and the deeper level, you'll have to wait on because I want Jared to go to the comments and see if he can catch us up because I know there's a yeah. ton since the last Mike Malone, I think was the last comment. Yeah. So we're going to do a, we're going to do a uh, American Idol and we'll find out just in a moment after Jared takes us to the conference. After these messages. Um, so we got Spencer. I just left Guitar Center with my new interface. Going to get my recording stuff set up. Awesome. And let me know what you're running computer-wise because I am about to be in that boat as well after a while. I'm just waiting for Focusrite to get with Apple. And plus, let us know in the comments what you bought. Did you buy the Focusrite? Did you buy the Personas? Like, what did you get interface-wise? Oh, if you got a UA, it would be awesome. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. If you if you got one of them big boys. Oh, and you know what I totally forgot? Has Scott Shireman chimed in at all? He did. He did. He didn't? He did. I I saw I didn't show his pictures, did I? You I thought I saw Scott Shireman. No, I saw David Supernet, not Scott. Sorry. Okay. Um I'll do that. Um let me do that right now. So last week, Scott Shireman. Um, was in the chat and he was talking about the two kits he had rewrapped. Yeah. Um, I think he said he used Mapex's wrap 
had gotten the wrap from Apex, or maybe they were just Apex kits that he rewrapped. And then he was talking about the he had finally gotten the ability to make his own wraps. So I'm going to share some pictures with y'all right now. Before we go back to the comments, these are some of Scott's. I think this first one is if I'm because I remember seeing these as he loaded them up on the internet. I believe oh this my. is the first kit that he rewrapped. I haven't seen these. That looks and I want to nice. say that's a Apex kit. I really like that because it's kind of like the satin flame, but it's like a quilt yeah. satin flame. That's cool. And I love that. What is that? Kind of like a seafoam green satin yeah. quilt. I guess how you could lay that I, out. I love pastels and I love anything that's that, like Scott, soft that colors. was a really nice job that's on sick. that. That looks really, really good. So I think that was the first kit. That Scott Shireman. And I love the thicker inlay, too, on the base hoops, too. Yeah, and then the second one is another. Yes, this is, I think, the one when I met Scott online. This is what he was playing. Um, And this is obviously another Mapex kit. um, Does that fade, though, correct? Yeah, it looks like it's fading from purple into pink. Um, And I really like. That's so cool. Yeah, that's a very cool color. Because I love, you know, I've been trying to find the right pink and purple for a kit for a while. It's weird because us drummers always talk about this, that, and the other. But most drummers I I know, if they had a dream kit, it's always in some super weird color. Like pink, purple, a weird green. Like it's never tobacco fade or black. or It's it's overdone. Yeah. And it's overdone. And I think we're all, anyone who plays drums is weird in their own way. And I think and. And that would look under stage lights. That you looks talk good. About that looks with that pearl. I, I love the first one. That's a really pretty color and looks great in that daylight. But this one, I would agree, would probably look even better under stage lighting. I would do anything. That um, looks so those so are the good. first two that he had rewrapped or rewrapped himself. And then this is the one. The next one I'm going to show you. This is the one that he is now actually making. His own rap. He said he had taken an old Pearl Export, and this kind of uh, y'all wouldn't know because you haven't seen it. But I want to say this is like one of his uh, album covers. Kind of has this tree design on it, and I'll take you to the bigger shot. That is what he is able to produce, like in house, whatever what he how he's printing it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really cool because now he can do his own custom uh, graphic. Oh, sweet. It. You know, so and like I said, I, I want to say this is like reminiscent of one of his album covers. Um, so another very cool and an, and a cool way I think to update an older Pearl Export, which don't have the craziest of colors, They're usually yeah. like red, black, or white. Yeah. Um, so I think blue. or that mirror chrome. Oh, God. But I think that's a cool way to update it. So Scott's journey being that really pretty kit moving into another really pretty like vibrant stage kit. Yeah. And now him having the ability to make his own custom wraps and kind of give life to a, you know, an old Pearl export. Yeah. And then you get also whatever group, you know, he's yeah. playing with. It's like, you want to like cross promote. Well, and you can see like up in the left hand top corner that HH. Yeah. His, the band's name is hush Harbor. Oh, it's that's a, cool. They're a, they're a Christian band. Um, so obviously he can put his band's logo on there and also kind of the graphic that is reminiscent of, I want to say that's their album cover from one of the albums. So that's a cool yeah. props to you, Scott, for, for taking the time to do the work on your drums and to come up with some very cool ideas. You know, that's, that's something I wish I could get into. I thought staining was hard. It's really not that hard. I was kind of afraid of doing poly coating. 
It wasn't that bad. I don't want to rap drums. I've watched guys rapping do drums it. is a pain in the butt. You have to, whatever you got planned for the day. It's only for doing the week. That. It's a pain in the butt. So props to you, Scott Scheiman, for taking the time to do all that. Oh um, God! And, I, and anybody else has anything they want me to share? Email stuff to Bearded Drums. Uh, it's Bearded Drums at gmail.com. Send me pictures. We'll show them here on the show. If you have a project you're working on or something you want to share, I'd be glad to put it on here. And a little, little subscriber, you know, section if we need to, you know. Somebody was, um, we're going to go back to the comments here in a second, but somebody, Derek, was actually telling me that I need to take, because I'm, I'm off Facebook. I'm not getting back on Facebook. But there is a Bearded Drums Facebook page. And what he suggested I do is make you the admin of the Facebook page and let you kind of run almost like a forum. Not a forum, but like getting ideas from all of them for episode ideas and then pictures and stuff like that. Um, and we were going to talk to you about if you were even interested in doing Yeah, that'd be like fun. Because um, I'm not getting back on Facebook. I hate Facebook. But I'll definitely make you the admin for the page. And you can kind of run it there. And if, if y'all would like to be... In on that, let us know, and y'all could kind of talk to Jarrett about ideas for what you'd want or not want us to talk about. And you can share photos and ask questions uh, in a forum type setting on the Bearded Drums Facebook page. Um, yeah, so if we get enough, you know, from it, we could probably do like one podcast a month. Could be like subscriber questions yeah, yeah. only. We could just be like, okay, so and we're like that anyway. If there's yeah. something you want us to talk about on the show. Let us know. If there's something you don't want us to talk about, let us know. Or if there's stuff you want to send in, send it to beardeddrums at gmail.com and we'll share it here, you know, on the show. But get back to the comments so we can kind of catch up there before we move into our last section. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, so Spencer got the interface. He said, get this guy's steel kit. Those G, those G metal, or oh, sorry, not G, those Q drums, yeah. metal drums sound so good. But they only come in big boy sizes. They sound so good. That's like the, my only gripe with them is like they just need to make a little bit smaller of a drum. Just a little bit. Not a lot. Just a little. I'm with you. Let's see. Derek Fountain, our boy. Go find an older Yamaha Oak kit. I recall those being super loud. God, I. You're right on that. I got to play one of those ones. Those are nothing but projection. That's deafening. Yeah. That's actually the in-house kit at the Grand Ole Opry whenever I went uh, in 2011. When we when I went to Summer Nam, uh, one year went to the Grand Ole Opry, and that's their that's their stage house kit is a older Yamaha Oak Custom. Yeah, that is nothing but projection right there, volume. Let's see, David Supernet, Jared, I got a set of Thomas Star Walnut, great sounding. I love Walnut, Ooh, man. Ooh, Walnut. Walnut's nice. That is nice. Walnut's good. And shout out to you, David Supernet, for having. The Tama Walnut, because that's that's right. I didn't know they ever made walnut. Yep, that's that cool. Was, that was because uh, there they were one of the few who were doing walnut kits back then. Because it was them, and then Mapex were the only two doing that's a lot cool. of walnut. That's very cool. I bet you it's nice because uh, Tama's always been nice, but older Tama stuff has been like a tank. Yeah, it's tough, <laughs> like a Ford. <laughs> Spencer's got currently ten snares. I love them all. Got to get those numbers up. Get those numbers up, guys. Oh. Let's get them up. Let's get all these numbers up. Old get. and new, brass and wood, metal and phosphor, and all of the stuff. Guess who's here right now. Oh, who is here? Wait, I'm going to guess. Hold on. I'm seeing a name. It's it's coming more into... Hold on. It's 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 focusing in. Dakamomo. No, it's Richie. Oh, Richie Henry actually Richie's, made it in. Yeah, he said, loves is a loved my six and a half free floater with the maple insert. 
and he's got a sad face. I guess he got rid of it. Yeah. Richie, I remember that snare. Richie had two cool snares. Richie had a uh, maple. I want to say it was a five and a half pearl free floater. And he also had that African mahogany pearl Omar Akeem signature Ooh. snare, which is a 13 by five and a half. I believe it is. I tried to get when when Richie moved to Japan. I was like, if you need a host family. For that Omar Akeem <laughs> snare, I will be the host family. So, Richie, I don't know where that snare drum is nowadays, but uh, if you ever need uh, a foster for that Omar Akeem, <laughs> I will foster that snare for you. Both of those are uh, – Pearl's always made great stuff, but the free floaters especially, and I love that Omar Akeem. That's two really good snares. I don't think you can go wrong with a Pearl free floater, no, no. matter what size. I've never owned the Piccolo, but I've had every other size they make, the 8, the 6.5, and, and the 5.5. You can't go wrong with them. They're they're really good. And I'm Richie. I'm I'm glad you were able to tune in with us live this time. We've been uh, oh, yeah. we've been missing you. I feel like I'm really happy right now because Richie got to. We're reaching across there. the the oceans to all the way to Asia with you, Richie. I can I can touch you across the international dateline right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We got Spencer says you can play any song with an acrylite. That's a reason that. Uh, Ludwig's are the most recorded snare drums. The Acrolyte and the Supra uh, are, and the Black Beauty. I mean, that's studio standards. I don't think I've ever watched anything and some guy in the back's not banging on a Ludwig. I mean, it's just. I have the Pearl version of the Acrolyte, the Synthetone Elite Aluminum. It's the same thing. It just looks a little different. The lugs are a little different. And same thing, if I didn't. Out of the two snares, I I would have to keep gun to my head. If it wasn't that six and a half by fourteen brass free floater, I would take that Sensitone and that Maple snare. I play that. I, we, I took it out the other the other day just because I hadn't played it in a while and forgot how awesome that one hundred ninety nine dollars snare sounded. Yeah, I love it. You can find a, I would say preferably Keystone, but I guess it doesn't really matter. If you can find a Ludwig Acrylite on eBay for a good price, which you can a lot of the time, pick it up. I don't think you'll be unhappy with it. Well, those those prices keep going up and up. I noticed that on the. Um on that Facebook group, no matter how toxic it can be. Yeah. Those acrylites are like becoming almost $300 snare drums now. Vintage drums are just going up in general. People are getting back into vintage drums. Seems like for a, a decade there, it was all about modern stuff and custom builds and the boutique bougie brands. And now it's like, nah, man, I want that blue and olive 24 inch Ludwig or I want that bop size <laughs> Gretsch again. And now it's like, it's pushing the prices up on everything that really wasn't that bad. For you know, for a while, and then Dakamomo, are you into the double snare idea at Stephen? I think what he's saying is that you're either talking about like the main snare and the side snare, or you're talking about the thing where it's the snare drum, your main snare, and then to your floor tom s size yeah be specific what are you talking about doc and momo yeah what are we talking about a side popcorn snare and a main snare you could be talking about a snare drum with bottom and top snares yep you could be talking about a snare drum and a floor tom snare we need you to be specific doc and momo yeah because you there's a very difference between like having like the your regular snare and then your high pitch cracked one or your real low ballad come on bass player get with the program and be specific with us drummers we're not that quick yeah, so restate your question, <laughs> Daco. Um, David Superintendent says, Stephen, I got the bass drum you're searching for, a very old Gretsch round badge, 22 by 12, single tension. Yes, 22 by 12, send me a text. Ooh. 
Ooh. Because that's not far outside the sizes you want. Do me a favor, David. Email, just so I get the contact. Email me your phone number or just something to Bearded Drums. I think all lowercase. Bearded Drums at gmail.com. Or, yeah, do that because that'll keep you private. Yeah. Bearded Drums at gmail.com. Send me something that way I can just get in touch with you and we'll see. We'll see what we can explore because that's the only thing I'm really searching for at this point is a single tension bass drum. Yeah. Um, Ludwig, Gretsch should be fine. Um, it just, you know, it just depends on what we can get going. So, yeah, yeah. hit me up at Bearded Drums at G. All of you, if you got a picture you want to share, if you want to talk about trading something, if there's something we've mentioned that you're like, hey, man, I want that. Yeah. Will you trade? Bearded Drums at gmail.com. We are your one stop shop for all things trade yeah. and upgrade. <laughs> what's next on the comments let's see spencer said i recently got a 13 by 7 pork pie patina brass i give an 8 out of 10 pork pie we talked about that last yeah last week yeah those That's are a killer snare those are sweet that is a very killer snare you've got a good one there and a, and a good looking snare and then spencer also says i have a 14 bucks and a half ludwig epic centurion it's six ply african sapel slash mahogany with re rings, I haven't seen one like it. I have no idea what that is. That sounds interesting. Gonna, Write that down yeah. so we can look it up. But that does sound that sounds interesting because Sapel it's either Sapel or Sapele mm -hmm. is a is a cool wood. But I've never heard of the Centurion, so I'd be interested to yeah, know that uh, what that is. Um, thanks for thanks for chiming in on that one. Look at this getting outsmart for once. Let's see, um, and then Dakota. He goes, once you go up, you're not coming back down. The Jared Taylor. That's me. <laughs> um, so we got a Personas Audio Box 1818 VSL. It's discontinued. Whoop, whoop. Personas. That's the way to go. I know you like Focusrite. Whatever. Yeah. Don't listen to this guy. Personas. All day, you? every day. Focusrite is for weirdos. You don't want that. You want Personas. And you want, what is it called? Studio One, which comes free. <laughs> I'm just messing. They're all great. But yeah, you'll be happy with that, uh, Spencer. The the Presona stuff it's all good, but the Presona stuff is good. It'll serve you well and you oh, yeah. it'll make it'll make your recording a lot easier. I, I always had trouble with recording till I just got the audio box USB C one and now it's all preset, preloaded. When I come in to do a video for y'all that's not these live streams, it takes me it takes me more time to film B roll on a drum than it does to sit down and record. That's the easy part. So yeah, you you, you went right with that. Definitely. And then he goes, Richie says, I didn't get rid of it, but it's in the States where I'm not sad face. Pretty sure that Hakeem is sitting in my parents' house. I'll check for you. It's okay. As long as he's safe. As long as Hakeem is under uh, uh, <laughs> protection. What they call it? As long as he's under personal protection, I'm fine. I just want to make sure that he's got some kind of guard on him at all times. We know that people come after Hakeem. Oh, yeah. So as long as he's safe, we're good. It's all right. He's safe. And uh, Spencer says, just emailed over some photos of my 70s Ludwigs. I just rewrapped the 10 to match the white cortex. So 10, 12, 13, 16, 22, and 14 virgin. Good Lord, that's a big old kid. I'm assuming that's not the Rockers, right? I don't know. Oh, it was Rockers. But the either 70s? way, thank yeah. you. Thank you for well, Let's do this. Well, I'll put it out there now. We will start the show with the projects Jerry and I are working on, and we would then go to drum news and then into the main topic. I will now add a new section of the show if everybody 
sends enough in every week, we will do the projects we're working on, and then we will do viewer photos. Yeah. So if you have anything you'd like to share, a project you worked on, a new drum you got, or if you have questions on like repairing something, just email it to beardeddrums at gmail.com. I hope I'm not getting my own email wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I think I made it dummy proof when I created it. Beardeddrums at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, or send us photos, and we will now start featuring you on yep. the viewers' photo section preceding the first section, which is our project. So we'll start doing that every week. Yeah. So, yeah, start sending us stuff in. Um, let's see. Daco says, OMG, more than one snare drum. It goes, we'll say main inside. So, I used to do it a lot. Um, whenever I was playing these smaller gigs in college, I didn't want to bring a four tom. So, I would bring uh, Stevens now that six and a half by 14 Pearl Masters. I'd put that off to the right, detune it, and then I'd have my brass master in front of me. And that'd be my four tom, would be that other. Snare drum, I would do that because I'd just rock one ride, hi-hat, those two drums and a bass drum. Um, and then uh, for a long time, I used to have off to the side, um, I used to rock a super duper, 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 duper tight. I mean, like like tabletop marching snare tight on the left side because I was listening to a lot of like 311 stuff. A 10? No, it was a regular, oh, it was a 14. I about to say, I, most of us, I think at some point, have done the thing where you have a 13 or 14 in front of you and a 10 over here. I've never had a drum that small. You've never done a 10? I've, I've, no, I've never had one that small. I've, I, the smallest I've ever had is the smallest snare drum I've ever owned now is from you, and it's that Pearl 13. Soprano. Yeah, a 13. No, that's a 12. That's 12. It's the smallest snare drum I've ever owned is that. I think a lot of us have done the main snare, popcorn snare, or like you said, a main snare and like a super tight or a super detuned snare. Um, I think at a certain point, we get tired of carrying that gear around. Yeah. Because that's not only another snare drum, but that's another stand that yeah. you have to carry around. When I think kind of what we were talking about in the second section, if you find the right snare, it can accomplish all of these um, sounds for you. Say you're playing, you know, the the main section of a song, and then you know there's going to be a section coming up. That's when you do the thing like we all love to do today where you take a splash and throw it on the snare drum head yeah. and get that muted sound. Or you throw some little jingly bits on there or whatever. There's ways to change that sound. Or if you do that funky tuning. You remember it was yeah, the it's the mash-off. The mash-off tuning yeah, method you where you the, just detune the one. Oh, it's three. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a full turn in the middle, and then the two to the right are two or one off from that one. It's a half turn. And then you go from that way. Yeah, but it's like the Masshoff tuning method is like with a couple of turns, you can go from your normal snare sound to a super detuned. Yeah. So I think there's, uh, I think a lot of us, and let us know in the comments if this is what you do, would do a main snare, side snare combo. But I think after messing with it long enough, especially that none of us have roadies, we're not famous drummers, yeah. I think we all get tired of carrying the gear around and... And I think with today's technology, you don't even need the side snare anymore. Because, look, you got big, fat snare drum. Now yeah. makes all that stuff you just throw on top of your regular snare drum head. And then there's that other thing uh, company I saw like a month or so ago. They make a whole frame that goes inside your snare drum. That goes from like 14 to 12 to, to 10. 10. Yeah. So if you want to like have like a 10-inch S snare, you just do that on. And I have a very high-pitched one for yeah. like, say you're playing like, 
I don't know. Say you have a very very weird set playing like you know hip hop kind of thing. You know, you playing that, and then oh, we gotta play. Purple Rain, you turn it to your 14, grab your BFD, throw it on. Yeah, I think a lot of people would do that for the most part nowadays. Play in your normal snare, and then when you want the other sound, you throw the big fat snare drum on there. Yeah. That's an easy way to do it. I've got one right over there. I love I, it. I got two. Um, I got the the day I got the donut one, and yeah. then I have the one that's the full covered head with the jingles. I would say it's kind of like for you, Doc Momo. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you want to carry around the MTD five string, but then you also want that precision bass sound. So you might carry two bases with you for a little while, but I think at some point you're like, man, I'm tired of carrying around two bases. And you kind of just settle on the one that does the better job for most things. Which is a P-Base. And I it's think that's, on. yeah, I agree. Yeah. P-Base all day. <laughs> I love the MTD, but I, I'm a P-Base guy. Um, but I think that's kind of it is for drummers. Like the novelty wears off at some point, And if you're not into carrying around a bunch of gear, you'll just find something I think that eventually works for most of what you're doing. Yeah. And you just have to make some compromises. You just got to, I mean, and then even for like a 10 technique standpoint, if you needed like a higher sounding snare drum, just play ping shots. Yeah. If no one knows what a ping shot is, because that's like a little marching term, uh, the ping shot is hitting a rim shot with the first two inches yeah, of the just beat off of the, the stick. Off, yeah, the front of the stick, very front. Yeah, anything bigger than that is a gawk. So. Yeah. Um, so I hope that kind of lets you know yeah. at least our opinions on... Uh, on that. And then David said he'll get a hold of you soon, and that's it for comments. Very cool. We're all caught up. Awesome. Thank you, David. That's um, that's very cool. I'll be very interested to see what you have. Um, so we talked about chasing tone and mojo as far as kits being the, the most general level, I think. Yep. Then taking it one step deeper, which we all get picky for snare drums. Yep. Now we come to what I think is argu- arguably the the most important the most picky, the most, you know, the most personal thing. And I know it is for me, probably is for you, and I would imagine it probably is for a lot of you. Symbols. God, that's a that's a whole thing. I mean I own so many. I ha I have I do and have owned. So if I could just have like, you know, you see the meme all the time where it's like this is all the money I have if I didn't spend not even that. If I could just have all the money I, I spent back on symbols and just keep my Bosphorus set and the, the Istanbul set I'm putting together right now, if I could have all the other money back from all the symbols I bought in my life, the thousands of dollars I would have, thousands upon thousands upon the Zildjians and Sabians and uh, other Bosphoruses and... What else have I bought? Uh, vintage uh, Zildjians that yeah. I've gotten and gotten rid of, and I mean all of that stuff and symbols that I that I bought and like immediately sold because I never used them. Um, the chopper from Sabian. Yeah, it's uh, on your wall right the now. The Zildjian trash former. That's not mine. That's Cedric's. They just left here. Uh, my chopper has been gone for years. The Zildjian Trashformer, the... Love those. Um, just so many things that I've gotten and were instantly like, nope. Uh, my first, uh, you'll probably hate me for this, when they first came out with those Zildjian, what were they? Um, it was like the medium high, the medium low. They had the crazy lathing on the inside and were hammered on the outside. Was that like the first edition of like them redoing the K Constantinopolis? When they first brought back the K Constantinople. I believe so, because I remember Hugh has a couple 
because he has is it like Hughes Constantinople he has one of them is mine. Yeah, so those went, are, those are the 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 those were like the re when they first brought back yeah, the K cons. Yeah. I went and played a twenty two or twenty one inch medium high. Sat down for a extended amount of time that afternoon, like an hour and a half, playing it in their drum practice room. Because it was it was like three or four hundred dollars. And I was like, you better make sure that you like this. Loved it. Got it home. Uh, got it out to a gig. Uh, mm. And then by the end of it, I just didn't like it. And it was I, I felt so bad because it sounded so good in the store. Yeah. And then every other situation I put it in, I liked it less. So like I said, if I could just have all the money back on misfires on cymbals. But I think, like I'm saying, I think that's 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 where you really get into the flavor or a drummer's identity is the symbols they pick. Like for you right now, I know what your answer is, but let them know because I stopped you earlier. Yeah. What you've been delving into lately for your symbol sound. So I don't think I've had, a, I, thinking back on, I don't think I have a lot of misfires because all the stuff that I've ever bought, I've played the snot out of. Well, aren't you special? Yeah, I am special. So. I guess we'll start with the newest acquisitions and work our way back. So the latest stuff I've gotten was it's, I sound so bad whenever I, I say it out loud. They had a sweet deal for labor day at forks. You buy more than one symbol, you get 40 or is either 45 or 65% off. I think it was 45. And I was like, all right, that's a heck of a deal. I was like, so here's what we're going to do. I had to add some money saved. <laughs> I called the guy. I was like, I was like, is this is this deal? Still he starts going? rolling his sleeves up <laughs> yeah. and twisting his mustache like yeah, a villain. Because I was I was at I was off work that day. I was like, so what do we want to do? I was like, so uh, go on the Instagram. I was like, do you guys happen to have any Constantinople stuff in? He's like, yeah. I made a grave decision, not specifying. I wanted a twenty and a twenty-two. I got two twenty-twos. Um, ended up turning out really nice. I love both of them. So I bought a pair of 14-inch con hats with a 22-inch medium-thin low that Stephen put rivets in for me, and I have a 22-inch medium. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. I remember that one. And so I have that's I have those. I got all those because uh, they're normally like well over five assemble. Yeah. I got them for 390 or 380 a piece, and I was like, I can't say no to that. Then not long before that. I bought, oh, I forgot to tell him because I bought another thing from Forks a year ago before that, that 22-inch Swish knocker. That's a K-Con. That so, was a cool symbol. So I have, so I have a full K-Con set. I have the, the medium, thin, low, the medium, and then the Swish knocker. Um, they're all, all those are 22s plus my 14-inch hats. Once they make 15-inch hats of those, I'm getting those 14s out and getting 15s in. I love 15-inch hats. I think they're the best. I like the way I sound on them. I, 14s are cool, but 15s are better. Um, so I got those, and then before that, uh, my twin on the internet, as Steven calls him. Eric Binder. Eric Binder. If no one knows Eric Binder, check him out on Instagram. He looks a lot like me. Where's no, he, he looks exactly <laughs> like Jared. Jared, if you had your, where's your little bingney at? It's in the, it's in the truck. Man, when you were standing there earlier with the, with the beanie and the hoodie on, I was like, Eric, Eric Binder is... Standing in my drum shop right now. Yep. Anyway, um, sorry. So Eric is a uh, is a guy that lives in New York. If you've ever watched some of the older 
Steve Maxwell drum videos. He's the uh, heavier set guy with the beard and the big thick rim glasses. Um, he has a jazz trio that he plays with out in New York. He recently got one of his snare etude, etude books mentioned. I think Modern Drummer or someone recognized one of his books that he did. Um, he has a very cool bop uh, Christmas record called uh, Ba Hung Bop. It's pretty good. I've listened to it. It's pretty good. Um, so he's a, he's a guy. He's a, he's a big vintage guy too. Like he's got a bunch of the. He's got one of the snare drums that you want, which is one of those old uh, black painted with like the thirty individual thumb screws. Yeah, he's oh. got he's got two of those. I'm drooling. You can't see it right now, but I'm drooling. He's on got this two microphone. of those. Um, so he has um, he had a cymbal set that he put. He was doing for sale while back and. They're all sonically matched, and I was like, you know what? I don't own any like really old cymbals, and I was trying to get like a little kit together because I bought uh, a traded Stephen something for some old um, Ludwig stands, so I could have like an almost error correct kind of setup. Like the stands are from the '40s or '50s. I got a kit from the '60s, and I wanted something close cymbal wise. So he had a pair of 15-inch, I think it's Trans Stamp hats. Then he had a 20-inch and a 21-inch ride, both thin, but they're both they're all Zildjian. They're both from like the 40s or the 50s, um, and I love those. Those are kind of like the the sound I kind of like. It's the old kind of gritty, good stuff. Um, before that, I got that 21-inch K Complex Dark from Lynn Smith. Wasn't a big fan of it, uh, but now I'm catching myself playing that way, way more. Um. And then before that, I had all those uh, Avidus set I got from Sweetwater. I just didn't let one back because it was bent on arrival. Yeah. Um, so I got that set, and it's, Avidus is like a, an homage to like the 60s and 50s symbols from back in the day. So it's 15, either 18 or 19, and then 22. And then before that, I have my more like modern stuff, which is the K suite, and that's mostly for like the rock stuff I was doing and pop things because I've always played jazz and never did a whole lot of rock stuff, so I never had anything really bright enough to cut through a band. That's the only reason I got those, but I'm slowly uh, moving myself away from the newer stuff. If I have to go back and get after I saw the stuff I don't really use, if I have to have something modern sounding. I'm just gonna get a set of just a a's, like a like an a sweet ride. Yeah, I can I can understand that because something like for a more uh, a more pop setting. Yeah, but why do probably I'll be thinking like why do I have all this Zildjian? Yeah, because it's primarily Zildjian that you yeah. always fawn over. Yeah, because I've my what about your tone or mojo chasing leads you always to Big Daddy Z? I think one comes from the heritage. I mean, you can't deny that all the greats played Zildjian. I mean, and I think that they've always had this constant, like, innovation. No matter what, they did, even if it fell short of the yeah, mark, yeah, because they've had some misfires, but they're always pushing. There and 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 Paul Francis, I think, was one of the few guys out there who was like constantly like making stuff for people. And he's like, go out and try it. If you like it, awesome. Show it to your friends. Play it on other gigs and stuff like the whole akira jimbo uh 
he needed something versatile to play for his gigs he was doing. And so the K-Hybrid line was born. And a lot of folks liked it. And that whole series was born because yeah. only Akira Jimbo asked for that. Paul made it for him. And then, boom, the reps in Japan, everything got sorted out. And then he that whole line is now, you know, it's a it's a staple. staple. It's a staple. So um, I just like the way they've always handled everything, the yeah, heritage right. behind well, it. Well, the heritage is probably the coolest thing because, I mean, if you've never gone back and looked, and I have, like, their heritage goes back way before the 50s and the bop stuff, way before the turn of the century. Like, I'm going to misquote it, but Zildjian literally means like... Symbol maker. Symbol maker. Yep. Like, and this is like from the Sultan's Turk era. Like, their family made stuff for the royal family, or if you want to call it the royal, you know, the, the Turks. Like, yeah. they go back so far, and then they got into the modern area where they're making symbols, still over there in... Yep. um. Uh, Istanbul. Istanbul, now it's Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, now it's Constantinople. Yeah. But over there, and then you get another iteration where it's like, well, now we come to America and start that whole equally important section of their history through the most popular times of the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yep. And then now the next turn where it's like the next group of the kids are, are becoming in charge of that company and taking it and like, really there we were having this discussion earlier today. Um, you know, that, that big battle has always kind of been between Sabian and Zildjian. And I am a Sabian fan. I brought my artisan 18 inch crash out the other night because I hadn't played it in a while mm -hmm. and totally fell in love with it all over again and forgot how much I love that symbol. And I've always been a big Sabian fan. But I have to know, I have to admit, lately Sabian has taken their foot off the gas. Yeah, uh, yeah, they might have come up with a new logo. Uh, they might have reworked the AAX line with a new hammering pattern. But they've kind of taken their foot off the gas as where Minel and Zildjian are like first gear, flooring it right now, yeah. trying to come up with new ways to innovate, new models, and you know different models. Like Chris Coleman from Minel has this whole new ride out. That's only specific for him that he, that he worked and on. And what years. is it? Uh, what's the uh, Mike Johnston's? Is that the transition ride? Transition that ride. Minel? That's Minel. All the people that are jumping ship from many brands to go to Zildjian. Mark uh, Giuliana, you know, is a is it the biggest one for me? You know, uh, Stanton Moore. Um, so there, I can Wooten, see why yeah. you and anybody could love. I could love if I had to sell all my Sabians, all my Bosphoruses, and all my Istanbuls. I could be happy with. The right set of Zildjians. Yeah. Um, for me, I was always a Sabian fan. A very clean and crisp sounding symbol. Like, very modern in my opinion. I always loved AAX. I always loved HHX. I always loved the Evolution line. Um, that was really, for me, that's, if you want to, if you really want to be, in my opinion, if you want to be honest about it, that was the last time Sabian really changed the game was with Evolution. Yeah. That's a while ago. And then... That's been it because I think well I guess artisan but that's just their yeah. answer to the K's yeah. like the K Constantinople's and that but so I mean that's not creating something new so the last time in my opinion that they really created something new was the evolution and that was with Dave Weckl and I don't think Dave Weckl and them have done anything no. recently new except those new flat rides and that's it yeah that so Steve they have taken you know and I've always been a big fan and I still am they make a wonderful symbol it's very high I'm not doubting them at all I'm just saying. They're not innovating as much as the other brands, which is why 
I got into Bosphorus years ago and was lucky enough to get a set of the Stanton Moore, complete set of Stanton Moore signature Bosphoruses before he left Bosphorus and went to Sabian and then consequently went from Sabian to Zildjian. Yep. So you can't have those symbols. I'm sorry, you can't buy those symbols off me. They are tuned to perfection. When I say tuned, I mean they've never been cleaned in 15 years. They are dirty. They sound like devil trash can demons that will funk <laughs> you from left to right. Like they are awesome. And being that there just wasn't because I'm always chasing that symbol tone of like, you know, I do want the ride to be pingy and defined, but I want it to be crashable. Yeah. And that's a hard, that's line. a hard line. Not only does it have to be crashable, but it's got to have a bell and it's kind of hard to be crashable and have a really good bell at the same time while having definition and being dark. That's like saying I want an SUV that goes 200 miles an hour and gets 30 miles per gallon. Like, yeah, that's not because yeah, the thickness depends on the pinginess and also the crashness. I mean, it's got you. It's it's a very yeah. so. It was hard to find. I got a lot of that out of Bosphorus, which I'm completely happy with. But Sabian just didn't have anything that was filling all the holes, which led me to. And if you've seen any of the videos lately, Istanbul. And granted, Istanbul is a bougie brand. Yep. Made still over there, which is from some of the original workers who did not come over. From yeah, that's because yeah. Istanbul was started by a set of brothers who stayed back in Istanbul whenever yeah. they, they moved factory. That's why you have Agapamimic, because those two brothers kind of fought. And that's kind of the same thing with Bosphorus, too. Um, so being that Sabin really couldn't provide and has not for a long time been able to provide the things that I really was looking for for a specific, defined tone, I was led to Istanbul. And I think a lot of us will agree, Istanbul is pricey. Yeah, like four hundred dollars on average for that uh, uh, Agop signature series. It's yeah. just, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but it is expensive, and I cannot afford that. Enter that whole exist line yeah. of Istanbul, and then even more recently, those exist dry darks. Those exist dry darks are killer. Oh yeah, ten inch hats, thirteen inch hats, seventeen inch hats, thirteen inch crash, seventeen inch crash. 19, 19 inch crash, 20 inch crash, 20 ride, 20 flat ride, and a 19 ride, 19 ride, all super hammered, all super dark and trashy. And that's just the dry dark line. Then you get into the regular exist line, which is kind of like a Zildjian A. Then you have all the typicals the 14 inch hats, the 15 inch hats, the 16 inch crash, the 18 inch crash, the 20 crash, the 20 ride. I have the 21 ride. Those are killing it, and these are like on average like one seventy nine to one ninety nine a symbol. Yeah, I know that they have like a box set you can get of, of yeah. those, and they come in three different finishes. You got natural, uh, the poly, the brilliant, and then they have the the heavier sets of those. Yeah, it's like a heavier brilliant. That's and I have I could track it right now, but I don't need to. There will be a exist eighteen inch crash showing up tomorrow. Natural, so I'll have the ride and the crash, and then all I have to do is find some hats. I'm torn between the 14s and the 15s. I've heard both of them in videos, multiple videos, so you get a good you know, blend of the sound. They both sound killer. I love 15s. And the 14s are 219, and the 15-inch hats are 264. That's unheard of for a high-quality cymbal. Yeah. Like, for hi-hats, because it's two cymbals. So I still have to make my mind up on that, but I've, I'm slowly building that set, and it seems like the old-school... Turkish style stuff is really what kind of stands out. And that's what I, you know, then I would have a set of brighter cutting symbols as well as some dark trashy stuff. 
and then the Bosphoruses. Yeah. Yours is the same way. You've got the Avidus, which is brighter and cutting. Then you've got your K Constantinopoles, which are darker and more d- refined. Yeah. Kind of, you know, proper, very hoity-toity symbols. Yeah. So I think that's always going to be... But lately it's been easier with Minel pushing forward and Zildjian pushing forward, you know, to give us what we want or what, you know, I don't know what you how you would think you would end up, but I already have an idea of like for like, like my studio setup kind of deal. When I get that kit from a uh, swindle in, like I'm going to move some of my cons, my K cons around, but I want to, I mostly play those when I'm explicitly only playing jazz like that. Anytime I'm doing anything jazz related, those are the ones I play. Cause it's, I just haven't found or played any of my other stuff. I think that sits so well within a mix and gives off like the what I believe was like the the pure like quintessential jazz tone. Like it's. Oh, I mean, I, I would agree that that Zildjian is part of that. In most cases, quintessential whatever rock and roll, jazz, you know. And let us know, you know, quickly. Let us know if you're if you're still in here. Uh, what you prefer, you know, in the chat. If you're a Zildjian guy, if you're uh, uh, Minel, if you're Peisty, if you're, you know, there's so many great brands yeah. out there. Um, but, you know, to kind of bring the whole thing to a head, I think the point really is it gets the bad rap a lot of times of being gear acquisition syndrome, which a lot of cases it is. Yeah. But you also have to keep in mind there's a lot of people like Jarrett, myself, and probably a lot of you out there that are not just buying to buy and acquire, but we are really specifically looking for that. I made the documentary called the one, yeah. you know, looking for that, maybe not that one snare drum, but that one sound, um, or that one ride that does this and that, or that one kick drum that, you know, you can detune it and get a nice rocky tone, but then you pull it up a little bit and put a different head on the front and you've got a great jazz tone. So I don't think anybody should ever feel bad about chasing tone or mojo because at that point i don't think you're trying to acquire anything you're becoming the best type of drummer in my opinion and that's one to find your own sound you know you're not out the guy out there trying to buy the exact same symbols you know model per model that chris coleman owns yeah you're out there going no what is my sound and what would make me sound like me i think it also comes back to being more inspired when you play and you know because now you kind of find something that sounds like you and you're, I would say like I play way differently with whatever symbols I'm playing. Cause those, those influence how, sure. how I play. Like if I play in the K cons, I'm doing a lot more like riding on everything. And I'm almost like 99% playing traditional grip and I'm playing on an older kit tuned up high for like jazz. So I'm like, I'm emulating, you know, all these old guys with my own flavor. And then if I'm on a different kit with a different set of symbols, I'm I'm now me playing rock and roll or fusion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know when I play the Istanbul's, I play a certain way. And then when I pull those Stanton Moore signatures out, I'm channeling New Orleans all of a sudden trying to, like, grease up the beat. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's going to – the the kit's going to change the way you play. The snare's going to change the way you play. The symbols are going to change the way you play. And you put all that together, and all of a sudden you have – David Supertinent sound, or you have Scott Shireman sound, or you have Derek Fountain sound. Like that's how I think you really, obviously your playing is the other big half of that, your yeah. technique, your practice, everything you've learned your whole life. But I think it's 
it's not very smart to discount the gear because the gear can inspire you and also allow you to shape that sound into what you really sound like. You know, maybe not what you think you should sound like, but what you really do sound like yeah. um, when it comes down to it. So I think that's kind of the gist of the whole, you know, chasing tone. Don't discount it because you have to go through things to find it. You're actually, or at least in our cases, yeah. are searching for something very specific, which we're going to find out in a little while when we get off here and go play with that snare drum. Oh, yeah. Um, do we have anything else in the comments? Anybody uh, chiming in? Let's see. Mike Malone corrected me. Eric is in Chicago. I bought a drum from him at the last Vintage Drum Show. You guys should make the trek out this year's show in May. That would be sweet. That would be dope. That would be, <laughs> be a lot of fun. Um, Spencer, I've never owned a Vesalite. Not yet. I just don't like acrylic. I mean, I like it, but I don't. I think you could. I think you could be happy with a kit. I don't think many people I know are happy with the snares. They're too sterile. I think um, Neil mentioned that yeah. one night in the in the comments. I wouldn't necessarily go chasing after a snare, but if you do find a good deal on a Vista Light kit, I think it's worth experimenting with. Yeah, I had a '70s one at one point that was cool, and it was cool sounding. Did I end up with it? No, but that doesn't mean that I'm like discounting yeah. what it was. So it's that's that's going to depend on you, Spencer, whether you think that's going to be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And then, let's see. Oh, I, I totally missed one. Uh, David earlier says, symbols, you could do a whole show just on symbols. The search never stops. Dude, we could do a whole week's worth of show on, I mean, you could do it on everything, yeah. but symbols are so, that's why I saved it for the end. It's so personal and so picky. Yeah. You could take my kit, uh, you know, I'm going to be upset. Okay. You could take all my snares. I'm going to be very upset, but I can... You come after my symbols, and it's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be a little more, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know how to properly describe it so we don't get muted on YouTube, but it's gonna be serious if you yeah. come after my symbols. Like take everything else, the house can burn down. Guess what happens if the house burns down? The symbols are gonna be standing straight up in a burnt bag. They're still gonna be there. They're probably gonna sound even cooler. Yeah. After being fired in the house, but yeah, as long as the symbols make it, I'm I'm pretty okay with. Because like that. the three things I think really makes. A drummer unique, no matter where you go. I know even guys like go around and like to jam sessions. I'll bring them, I'll do something else different. Your ride cymbal, yeah, tells a lot of who you are. Your snare drum yeah. tells you a lot of who you are, and then your hi hats, true. And two of those are cymbals. Yeah, <laughs> it's like just saying. It's like that's just it's, it's the way of the world. True, very true. Um, see, Richie. I love Zildjian overall and all the Zildjians I've owned, especially the key, the KEFX stuff, but the Artisans are some of the best symbols I've ever heard. When Juliana switched at the logo change, I knew some big changes might have been happening in the company. Stan switching too, but I think that had a lot to do with Ash Stone becoming his BFF. Ooh, that's a hot take right there, Richie. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I did not even think about it. And you want to talk about somebody that's got a really cool collection of, of Gretsch Drums and Zildjian cymbals. Ash Sohn has like the mother load. There is probably a four man armed security service that patrols that little studio of his. That windmill because, of his, yeah. Because man, if you got in there, that is like the treasure trove. He has of, a max. He has an actual Max Roach snare drum. Yeah, and he has like so many like nice fifties Zildjians, real broadcat like. 
he's got the mother load. So I didn't think about that. that's a really good point, Richie, um, about that might have led to Stanton or one of the reasons yeah. he left. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a good point. <laughs> Let's see. Mike Malone, all about Bosphorus, grew up worshiping Stanton Moore and Jeff Hamilton, so it was a natural fit. But once they left Bosphorus, I was already hooked. I'm with you. I, I'm I'm they they produce such a different tone, and I really love. I've got the Stanton Moore set, and then I've got one of the Bosphor Master Vintage rides, and they're just so cool. It's a really good company. They do things the old school way. It's kind of the same thing with Istanbul for me. They're almost the same, in my opinion. Yeah. Not what they produce, but the way they do things. Istanbul and uh, Bosphorus being the ones that stayed behind and Zildjian holding down that tradition, but here yeah. in a more modern sense. So I don't think you can go wrong with, obviously today you can't really go wrong with anything. But those ones specifically are, you know, Zildjian, Bosphorus, and Istanbul. That's, that's some money right there. Uh, Richie says, also, the A-Ride had rivets. I have a sweet baby ride, and that thing is amazing. The Sorry, big, the beautiful baby ride. That was a 19-inch that Armand kept in his office and then uh, forgot the other symbol maker, I think after he passed or something, got a hold of it and then recreated it the best he could and then signed his name on it, Armand's signature, put it on it, and then because that was his baby ride. It was huh. a beautiful baby ride. That's where the name came from. Huh. A little fun fact <laughs> for you. Let's see. Uh, Spencer said, I I tapped on some... Oh, I yeah, I'm an idiot. I tapped on some Minel Extra Drives Guitar Center today, and they sounded way different than my A-Customs in a good way. They sound crispy like my fried chicken. Yeah, so the Extra Dry is... A whole different process from the A customs. If you don't aren't familiar with like the symbol making process, A's are super lathe with very minimal uh, hammering, and then anything and an auto anvil, I believe too. Yeah, they don't do hand hammer anymore. It's yeah. all uh, machine. And then for minor, their extra dry, and any of their other dry stuff is the complete opposite. It's very small amounts of lathing done and yeah, micro lathing. Yeah, it's if anything, it's like they pull just a little bit off, and then a lot of it. Is all hammered out. That's that weird texture. Yeah, the, you get the on, uh, ununiformity. Yeah, and then they they also don't um, polish those either. So it's just that raw uh, metal on it. Let's see, David Supernant. I love my Zildjian K line of symbols. I also love Peisty. Have six hundred two crashes and my Holy Grail symbol. I can't go without a twenty two inch Masters Swish. Love that symbol. You can't go wrong with K's. I love K's. I'm not a Zildjian player, and I'll even admit mm. you can't go wrong with K's. Any anything in the K line is good. I I'll take it back. <coughs> not the biggest fan of the hybrids. Uh, yeah, but they still there's nothing yeah. wrong with them. Yeah. But I can see that's just a a weird take on the K line. But yeah, generally staying in regular K K Constantinople, you can't really go wrong. They're they're <laughs> they are high the highest of quality for sure. And then. Me and Steven kind of feel the same about Piesty. Not the, we never had a really chance to play them a lot around here, and so. But to me, it's just that weird. It's what they're known for. Interesting. Yeah, it's that, it's that this kind of glassy tone they're they're all about. But that's it. Oh, Mike says I went to the Bosphorus Fracting when I worked on a cruise ship and we poured into Istanbul. It's cool to see a small shop with guys all working by hand. Dude, super jealous of that. That's awesome. I've seen many. They actually. More than other drum companies, there's been so many documentaries done about the Bosphorus process. Um, 
man, that's very cool that you got to do that. Um, I would love to get to uh, either the Istanbul or the Basra factory and see how they really, you know, holes in the ground where they're doing the melting. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I would love to see that, um, you know. And, and, and you know, um, maybe that's – maybe if we get big enough one day, somebody will send us somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you guys uh, – I well, think let's start small. Let's get up to either Forks or Memphis. And then we'll... And then, like uh, Mike was saying, then we get to the big vintage show, the Chicago. Um, then we get to Europe. That'll be the stepping stone. Get to eight hours away from us. Then get to, like, 28 hours away from us. And then get to, like... 28 days away yeah. from us. <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys get to Istanbul? By boat. That's right. It's the cheapest way. We to took f- a steam liner. The cheapest way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so has that caught us up in the um, in the uh, comments? Yep. All uh, right, well. Yeah, Spencer asked if it was a peisty big beat. I think that was to... Those are Dave, cool. Let's take us to David's question. That's You get into the old bottom setup yeah. then. I've, uh, the Hugh gave... Cedric a seven. Yeah, those six or two cool. that he broke though, right? Yeah, he broke them, but you know, whatever. Um it's okay. That no, no, it's not it's not the symbol, it's the player. That's right. Cedric That's right, Mr. Pounds. Mr. Cedric Fiesel, um, who we'll hopefully have on this show one Tugboat, day. Right? We're getting close. This yeah. is episode five, hopefully by ten. Well, we start bringing uh local drummers, uh the great Hugh Barlow, the great Ray Hanser. Um, friends of ours on drummers and non-drummers to give opinions on this kind of stuff. We're gonna be we're gonna be growing here soon because y'all are making it better every week. Actually, um, our concurrent viewers grow every week. The number of views after the fact grow every week, and y'all are getting awesome, more awesome every week in the chat. Um, you know, Richie made it in this week. We've got guys like um, Spencer, David, Scott. Uh, now, Mike, like guys that are coming in, Doc, Momo, Derek, that are in every week on the chat asking great questions. And uh, like I said, what we're going to start doing every week now is adding the viewers' photos section to the front of the show. So, beardeddrums at gmail.com if you want us to talk about anything or if you want to share something with us that you're working on, that you're, you know, doing anything like that. Yeah. Um, so, I, I think Jarrett would agree that every week it gets a little better and it gets built a little more at a time. Yeah. You know, we'll try to, we'll try to expand it as we can. Um, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm really happy with the way it's going thus far, you know, and please do keep in mind that this video will go up as a regular video as soon as we're done with the live stream. So if you didn't check it out live, you can go watch it on the bearded drums channel as a regular video. And you can see the live chat as it happens, you know, as it happened here live. Um, and if you're going to be working on a project and you just want to listen to us in the audio format only, or are really just more into podcasts, keep in mind that bearded drums live is up on Spotify and Apple podcast. Just simply search for, bearded drums um so that's pretty much i think with if jared unless you have anything else that you want to get into today um that's going to wrap it up for me i know i want to go play with this new snare drum jared's kind of yawning so he may not be sticking around but that's what i'm going to be doing um anything else you need to get out before we uh before we close out the show nope i'm good um, so again, as always from Jared and my, Oh, well, before we go, 
Thank you, Mike Malone, number one, for the, the great video you did this week. Thank you to Brian and all of the guys at Drum Factory Direct for getting out my parts very quickly and for helping me sort out the problem with the square nut. Y'all were very ha very helpful. If you guys ever need anything for drum parts or you're going to do a drum build or you have questions, go check out drumfactorydirect.com. You can get them by email. You can get them by phone. They are super helpful. Um, and remember to go check out the video with Sonny Emery playing for Bruce Hornsby. You can search it on YouTube. Just search Bruce Hornsby, Barren Ground. And like I said, if you don't like the song in general, at least check out the like 40 second drum intro. I think you'll uh, you'll dig it. There's two different drummers play it for him and they both kind of have a different take on, you know, the intro to that song. And Jarrett will have a video to talk about or a little clip to talk about next week as we get back into what we're doing. And we'll have pictures of his, uh, as, as his drum build continues. Now yeah. that I'm done with mine, we'll have more on Jarrett. So from both of us, thank you for tuning in this week. And we will see you on the next one. That's right, buddy. Thank you, guys. And we will see y'all later. <laughs>